Pittsburgh. Can you imagine somebody in Pittsburgh not knowing the offensive lineman? Oh, yeah. Yes. Really? I don't know that I could name all five of them now. I think I could get three out of five right now, I bet. God, I feel like you could do better than fire it off left to right. Okay. Wait, left. Let me just, I'm just going to go in no particular order. Uh, DeCastro, Pouncey, uh, Villanueva. And then it starts to get a little shifty from there. Uh, gray area. <laughs> I know this is wrong, Something but I'm just going to go G. with Ramon Foster because I know. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? He's still on there? Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. Marvell Smith. No. <laughs> yeah, that's a, and Alan Fanica, obviously, is yeah. still on the team. So. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Valerie, it's raining outside. Is it raining now? Real hard. Yeah, it's coming down. It came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean... It started to just kind of drizzle a little bit, and I thought, oh, well, this will be good for the lawn. And then three seconds later, wha-bam, just. Yeah, they are saying possible flash flooding today. So It was already pulling up on my drive-in on certain parts of the road. It looked like the sewers were already completely backed up. Mm-hmm. Is All it right. just me, or is that happening a lot this season? I feel like there's no normal rains. It's just like torrential downpours, downpours that are washing mm-hmm. out Route 30. It seems to be that way. I mean, yep. even the the Arts Fest rains that we get every year, which yeah. seemed to be a geological <laughs> event somehow, um, th- they were so much heavier. Like, every time it rained, it flooded. It was, like, not tolerable to stand out in that rain. No, they, no it's just been, uh, if it's going to rain, you're stuck. Not the, I got caught in a little bit of rain. Yeah, you're it's, drenched. Yeah, it's uh, your day is altered. Rain. You ought to go inside to Sheraton. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Well, what's happening? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast. It is brought to us by Dormont Appliance. 11. It's 68 degrees now at DVEM Val Porter. A pair of police officers are not seriously hurt after being shot in North Braddock overnight. The officers were reportedly grazed while responding to a call near 13th Street. Channel 11 reporting they were responding to a call about an abduction. Three people are reportedly in custody. Fired former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe is filing suit against the Bureau and the Justice Department for refusing to turn over documents dealing with his termination. McCabe was fired just before his planned retirement last March. His termination for what the Justice Department called lack of candor delayed McCabe's ability to collect his pension and took away his health care benefits. McCabe's lawyer says the firing violated federal law and that authorities have refused to turn over materials related to the disciplinary process. A third of U.S. adults might be using prescription medicines that lead to depression or an elevated risk of suicide. A new study out this week in the journal of the American Medical Association finds that pills like some heart medicines, antacids, and birth control are just some of the more than 200 common prescriptions with these negative side effects. Around 15... Antacids? Mm-hmm. Wow. Around 15% of people who took three or more of those drugs at the same time reported depression. Some scientists at MIT programmed a computer to be a psychopath, which I feel like we probably have enough already. <laughs> we don't need to train a yeah, computer. Yeah, into the mix. Good old Skynet Laboratories. The scientists pulled off the stunt by feeding the computer, which they named Norman, a bunch of violent content from the internet. They then compared the computer to one that was not exposed to all the violent stuff. When they showed the normal computer a random ink blot, it came back with harmless connections like birds on top of a tree branch. But Norman, on the other hand, thought the random ink blot looked more like a man being electrocuted. 
Oh, Dude. good. They're doing 28 Days Later, but with computers. <laughs> Dude, I stopped YouTube this week for this exact same reason. I was on, like, my third, like, knockout video compilation <laughs> and was like, this is ruining my psyche right now yeah i want a three of bum fights you're like eh, <laughs> i don't feel great about myself <laughs> we're humanity uh i bet every teacher has been driven to drink but you might want to wait till you get out of the school a virginia <laughs> elementary school teacher in hot water for allegedly boozing inside a classroom Officials in Ashburn say they were called uh, a couple of weeks ago to Newton Lee Elementary School about a medical emergency, but that's when things took an unexpected twist. Teresa Folsom was the one officers say was drinking. Alcohol was found in her classroom. She was arrested and placed on suspension. If you're so drunk that it gets deemed a medical emergency, then you are in bad, bad shape. (laughs) And you're in an elementary school. (laughs) Things have gone south. (laughs) Maybe you chose the wrong career. All right, guys, we're going to finger paint today. (laughs) I'm going to lay down. This is social studies. Just paint Andrew Jackson. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and a Florida couple, Florida couple managed to turn happy hour into a rather unhappy evening after they both got tossed behind bar- bars for fighting over booze in the parking lot of a Dollar General store. Oh my god! I mean, that's that's got to be on the uh, white trash family feud right. as like a ninety nine percent of respondents. <laughs> Several witnesses called nine one one to report the tipsy tussle, which started in the couple's vehicle, then spilled out onto the pavement. When officers arrived, the pair had calmed down a bit, but both showed evidence of the brawl, including bruises. Uh, and ripped a ripped shirt. They both admitted a fight had taken place, but each insisted the other had started it in a squabble over what kind of booze they should buy. Doesn't that sound like a squabble that you would see if they had a Just Ducky tour but for white <laughs> trash in Florida? <laughs> and here, you'll see... I feel like a there's a native should, Florida couple. There should be a hotline for Dollar General store managers that's just like, if you have a woman giving birth in your parking lot, <laughs> press one. <laughs> if you have a drunk couple fighting over Boone's Farm, <laughs> press two. Uh, both those people booked on charges of battery. Dukes of Hazard star John Schneider is already out of jail after, after less than a day because of overcrowding. He that was, Mormon guy? Is he Mormon? Yeah. I didn't know that. You're right. He didn't. He and uh, Marie Osmond start the Children's Miracle Network. Yeah, I saw him at the award ceremony when DVE got the award a well, couple of years ago. He was sentenced for not paying paying alimony. Uh, sentenced to three days. But uh, you know, it makes me glad that he didn't steal from the Children's Miracle Network. Yeah. He has a treasure trove at his at his uh, availability. His fingertips. Yeah, uh, so three <laughs> days in the slammer for not paying one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in alimony. Good old boy. <laughs> Roscoe just kept walking by. <laughs> TMZ says Schneider checked into the L.A. County Jail yesterday morning and was released in the afternoon. He still, though, has to complete over 200 hours of community service. The way he got out is he took his belt and he threw it over (laughs) onto the sheriff's (laughs) desk and pulled the keys over. I think he's big ring. (laughs) The sheriff was sleeping. I think he's on some nighttime soap opera like on the Oprah Network or something. Oh, yeah. That uh, makes perfect sense. He's still he's still like a good looking guy. He looks young. Yeah. Like the other guy's kind of more of a drug addict, a uh, pervy uh, yes. kind of in trouble a little bit with the law. Here I mean, there. is it even possible to not find work as an actor now? 
I feel like you could be washed up a million times over and someone's just like, hey, we have a, a web series that we're going to sell to Freeform. Right. You're just going to find Between yourself there. YouTube and Amazon and Netflix. Like, I thought I watched, uh, I rewatched Cheers again. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's the I, whole I, series. Yeah, it's taken me for over a year. Oh, okay. But, like, I, I've i been like using it as I have 20 minutes to just do nothing. Yeah. And I'm going to watch another. Cheer, cheered up. Yeah, Cheers is a good way. To, I like Cheers. And um, you like even, to go where everybody knows your name. That's right. Even the bad ones, I think, are good. But I always do this thing where when I see actors playing bit parts in the episodes, I always wonder, like, what are they doing now? Like, what is that? Did that guy ever do anything like else? I don't. Robin rec- Colcord. Well, not even him so much because he, I know, had a little bit of a career because he was in the Mel Brooks movie at least, uh, the um, Robin Hood. Uh, oh, so Men-, Men in Tights. Yeah. So that guy had a little bit of a career, but I'm talking about the people who like played Cliff's landlord. What about uh, or the, or the, uh, the, the fire chief? What about the other bar owner that they always used to play in softball and Gary's Old Time Tavern? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> Well, that's I always think about that with Seinfeld too. Like, think about like you're signing up for a bit role on Seinfeld, and then forever in perpetuity, you're known as you know uh, Banya, yeah, or something like that. And then you never get any work ever again because you took one bit role. Fun fact: Banya, big Steelers fan, used to tailgate next to us at the uh, what? He's from get out he's, of time. he's from Pittsburgh originally, apparently, but le- left when he was like a kid. That's gold, Jerry. Black and gold. <laughs> it would be so weird. It <laughs> took everything everybody had to not go up and say it because we didn't want to be obnoxious. But after you have a few beers, you're like, oh, you just you want to pull out a Banya line. But he was so good at being Banya, you almost feel like there should have been more Banya like at offshoot or oh, something. Oh, Banya spinoff? Well, today there would be on YouTube Red. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? There would be a whole Banya series. It'd be the a, backstory. It'd be a dark, gritty drama about the drug-addled open mic scene that he has to, to uh, go through mm-hmm. in New York City just to make it on the same stage with Jerry Seinfeld. Well, I think now anybody that's coming up who's had some su- success early in their career, just keep yourself in shape. I mean, if this Cobra Kai series doesn't oh, teach yeah. you right. anything else... Redemption is possible. I haven't watched it, but I heard that it's awesome. It's so good. It's so fun. Yeah. It's just fun, 80s, nostalgia. Yes. It's great. Yeah, it's very fun. But I always wonder about those actors. Like, now what does that guy do? Is is he doing theater somewhere? Did he Was he able to sustain this lifestyle very long? Because it wasn't like I was in Boston. That's That guy's in L.A. fighting it out with a billion other actors, and that was 30 years ago. Or do you think that he like makes a pivot and becomes like you know, uh, I'm an office manager at an architecture firm or something right. like that? Weren't you on Cheers? One, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I've got my life set now. There's finally, a, finally there, done. There's a pro wrestler I used to like. His name was Rick Steiner. He was part of the Steiner Brothers back oh, yeah, in WCW. Well, he doesn't wrestle anymore, but he owns like North Carolina's largest auto insurance dealer sh- or agency wow. or something like that. And I was like, how'd you like to have Rick Steiner? On your team going to court, you know that's that's the person that you want. Like, what is uh, Jimmy McNichol doing right now? <laughs> Great question. Or Great who question. who and is he? Not he doesn't guy. have any hair, and you know who was the Peter guy? McNichol did pretty good for himself. Um, the re- he was really cute. He was in uh, Blue Lagoon with Brooke Shields, Christopher, the guy they spoofed in the movie Top Secret, um, Christopher. Uh, I know who you're talking about. I want to say Karras, and I know that's not, <laughs> that's not it. Look, uh, Jimmy McNichol, all those guys. Uh, Sean Cassidy. 
Oh yeah. Actually, Did I got tagged. I got tagged in a tweet with Sean Cassidy. Why? Somebody listened to the John Hodgman interview that we did. Oh yeah. And they were like, "Hey, I'm going to Maine, and uh, my girlfriend and I are doing some Hardy Boys adventure while we're there, and all this stuff. I can't read. Wait to read the Hodgman book." And he tagged Sean Cassidy. Because he did the Hardy Boys show, yeah, I guess. him and Parker Stevenson. Right. Who was married to Kirstie Alley. How about wow. this? Wow, Coming that, full. That two, two more did you we got Kevin Bacon. Back to Cheers. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and Sean Cassidy replied, and I was like, oh, my God, I got to take a picture of this and send it yeah. to my sister. friends with Sean Cassidy. Yeah. Christopher Atkins. There you go. He was also, I believe, in the, was it the pirate movie with Christy McNichol? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, it was like a spoof, I think, of the Pirates of Penzance, yeah. who Linda Ronstadt and Rex Smith starred in. That's right. Rex Smith, another Lord. Val is teen hard some rob. secret lair. And when I was brain. in fourth grade, <laughs> I loved Rex Smith so much that I saved up all my money to order a poster in like some Teen Beat magazine. But I was stupid because I was in fourth grade, so right. I just put all this money in the envelope, all these coins, <laughs> Here are your and threw nickels. it in the mailbox. And you mailed no it No address. No, I put an address on it, but <laughs> no. it was just like, yeah, it wasn't like a check or full of coins. <laughs> Did you get the poster? No, I never got the poster. And so your money just went to waste? Yeah, I'm sure uh, the mailman was like, jackpot, I could go buy money. some wing, some wingdings. <laughs> Well, if nothing else, we know that Val's subscription to Turner Classic Movies is absolutely up and running. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Back to the Seinfeld, uh, uh, like, um, like cast members who had the bit parts. I don't think any television show ever, ever did as well as projecting future fame with the bit parts as Seinfeld. Oh yeah, Elaine's boyfriend. Oh, who is yeah. that dude? He's funny. Yeah, buddy. Oh, yeah. Dave, David Warburton. Yes. Yeah, he he's been in everything. On How about uh, Dr. Tim Watley, a.k.a. Walter White? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Coolidge, who played oh, Stifler's yeah. mom. She was the massage therapist. Terry lady. Hatcher was in there. Terry Hatcher. They're real and they're perfect. There were so many famous oh, people. Man, I'm going to have to think. Bit I parts. I mean, there were also some established people who did small roles like Sarah Silverman, Janine Garofalo. They were already. Patton Oswald was yeah. there. Why am I blanking on the Mets player's name? Did, Keith Hernandez. Oh, my yeah. God. That I'm, was the greatest. I'm Keith Hernandez. Okay. I'm following Christopher Atkins on Twitter. Good. <laughs> He's probably so excited. <laughs> he has 6,300 followers. That probably, that probably gave him a little bit of hope today. They're probably all his actual real friends. <laughs> <laughs> they might be. Those are those are bot. Those are total. They're they're just bots that he signed up for. That movie was in the pirate movie. I loved it when I was younger. What was it called? Cri- the pirate movie. That's what it's just called. The pirate yeah. movie. It's a terrible name for a movie. It was so it was so difficult living in L.A. because every single place that you went, wherever you, whoever worked there, was. An actor. Everybody was gorgeous. Yeah. And you just felt like if you had any insecurity at all, it would just eat away at you. And I just remember feeling like, I don't like this. I'm going out and performing for people that are way cooler than me. And I don't like that in the audience. Uh, our buddy uh, Andy Picaro moved out to L.A. probably like a year and a half ago. And he had just the healthiest attitude. He just goes... He goes 
Yeah, I know I'm going to L.A. and everyone's better looking, but he goes, you know, someone's got to play these henchmen. <laughs> I mean, he looks like the guy that Steven Seagal beats up in the first, you know, first couple scenes of the movie, you know. And he's just, yep. just going to lean into that. He's got to be a that door character. guy at the warehouse. <laughs> yeah. I ain't seen nothing. I always wonder about that, though. There are some people who are actually freed up by them not being good looking, like... Um, the guy, uh, uh, that really good actor who's uh, he was Steve in, Buscemi? No, he was in Ghost. and he, or Maybe we're not thinking of the same guy. No, he but, was on Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He was the, wasn't he the, the science teacher? Oh, that guy, Sal, whatever his name was. Yeah, the guy who's like, I haven't had my Sanka. And the get off my train ghost yes. guy. Yeah, that guy was freed up by being totally ugly. But then there are other guys who are like Richard Jenkins. You know the actor Richard yes. Jenkins? Yeah. Right, he's Tremendous not- actor. Tremendous actor. Never had to worry about being like a super good looking guy. Got some awesome roles because of it, probably. He's ne- that was Is never that the an guy in the fish had. movie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I still say that's a bitter pill to swallow because, you know, you, you, you want to be excited about the roles that you're playing. And if your agent calls you up, hey, hey, I got this great gig for you. It's uh, from Paramount Studios. It's a huge movie. You get to play the ugly teacher. <laughs> okay. Well, why, why can't I just be a teacher? No, no you're no, the no, 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 ugly no, no, no. teacher. <laughs> we discussed this, Johnny. <laughs> it just says teacher in the script. <laughs> who was the who was the guy? He was only in like three films, but they were all huge movies. He was in Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, he was in The Godfather. John Cazale. Yeah. I mean, that guy. I didn't think he was terribly bad looking. He dated Meryl Streep when she was like, oh my God, a he, had a, he had a moon head. <laughs> Is that uh, Fredo? Yes. He was an odd looking dude. Dude, Fredo was hot. Well, all right. If you Chris, want to take that stance, no, Christopher Walken's thing. not a real looker. I I disagree. Back in the day, he was a super good looking guy. You think? Yeah, when he first started. I mean, Val, in, in Christopher Walken's don't defense, say that he's been he's been seventy for like three decades. <laughs> yeah. So he did the Deer Hunter, and then he was an octogenarian. It just went from <laughs> yeah. it was just that. Don't forget, I danced in the Fat Boy Slim video. He he was also in um, uh, what's the Woody Allen movie with Diane Keaton? Why is it uh, escaping my Annie Hall? Yes, he was Annie Hall's brother, who oh. who is suicidal. Oh yeah, that's Remember, right. he's like suicidal yeah. and he talks about. He's like sometimes when I drive, I just want to yank the wheel flying off the road and Woody Allen's like oh and then he, then he has to go to like pick somebody up at the airport with him and he's driving through a rainstorm. He's all steely eyed. <laughs> Uh, forecast today, scattered showers and thunderstorms, 80 degrees for the high at 68 at DVE. Mr. Ron Wednesday. Howard's brother. Uh, dude, <laughs> how sad was it when Ron Howard's brother got the ironic award on MTV and he treated it like the Lifetime Achievement Award and went up and gave a very authentic and speech and cried? Do you guys remember this no. at all? No. Clint Howard, they used to have this like joke award for acting on the MTV Music Awards. Sort of like the Razzies or something? It it was like a joke, but he took it serious, and everybody at MTV felt awful about it. And he went up there, and he was crying, and he was like, nobody knew how to treat it because he really thought it was like... He really did, or was he just trolling back and just being like, I'm going to make them feel bad? Because he talks, it's just him. Again, this is when cynical people... We were just talking about the, uh, the Mr. Rogers documentary off the air. When cynical people, which is almost everybody, come across people who are just completely genuine and nice, they don't know what to make no. of it. And so he's up there going, this just... You know, the recognition, this is means so much. And they interviewed him years later, and he's like, 
yeah, I don't. I I mean, I thought it was great. That was like a cool thing for my career. And MTV is like, oh, we're such jerks. Well, how could you believe? Like, like, wasn't he only in the Water Boy? Like, how could you have possibly thought you were getting a lifetime achievement award if you <laughs> were just in the Water Boy? Fan number seven in the Water Boy. Uh, it was. Uh, he got. Uh, I got to see this now. Yeah, I have the clip. I'll play it for you when we have we'll have a chance because right. it is. It's it's they gave him like a lifetime achievement award and he went up and he was just so excited for it and there was like it's a joke dude you had like seven roles you know and they're always like two yeah. lines per guy movie. that pops up in the supermarket <laughs> guy that pops up in the stands guy that pops up somewhere else Mike Pursuta has your sports when we come back A B making waves the Pirates continue to slide downward what a crazy day at OTAs yesterday Mike A B making waves is that what I. I don't know what he Mike, was doing. Mike, stop putting pressure on him, man. I don't know what he was saying. You guys are creating pressure. I don't know what color the grass is on the planet that AB inhabits. Well, I just kind of, you know, I put it this way yesterday that like getting mad at OV, uh, AB rather for this. <laughs> OV. Freudian well, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the OV <laughs> clip in front of me here. Um, we not effing suck this yeah. year. Getting mad at AB for, for not having perspective is like getting mad at a goat for not being able to ride a bike. It's just, he's just not made up to do it. Like he can't really do it. You can try all day to teach him how to have that perspective and he's just not going to have it. That's a B he's in a B land. Yeah. I guess, uh, the cynic in me is wondering if he's not a little further outside <laughs> orbit than normal. Hmm. Um, oh, like trying to be free, Mike. That was uh, that was bizarre. DVE Sports. All right, Mike Pursuta with your sports here on the DVE Morning Show. What a weird day yesterday was. Sports is are brought to you by Xfinity. From Comcast, say this about Antonio Brown. It may have just been day one of mandatory veteran minicamp yesterday, but AB was in midseason drama form. One of, the, uh, one of the more bizarre uh, Antonio Brown locker room scrums that I have ever been a part of yesterday. And there have been a succession of bizarre <laughs> Antonio Brown locker room scrums. This went well past Call Me Ronald. Uh, Antonio Brown, uh, let's start with uh, Antonio Brown's explanation for why he had uh, uncharacteristically been missing time at OTAs. Uh, Antonio Brown said, hey, just, you know, sometimes you just need to get away. Well, I need a little pressure in the town, you know, with myself to just get my mind right. You know, the game requires a lot of uh, mental happiness, you know. Uh, and when you, the older you get, the more you start uh, thinking about the things that are important. You know, I got five kids, a lot of family. Uh, what left to me do, to do playing a game is to win a championship. So, you know, I had to take a little time to spend time with my family and, you know, see what's important for me. Yeah, as far as that uh, search for mental happiness, uh, that mental happiness you need to play the game, Still feeling a lot of pressure. There's uh, pressure that Antonio Brown puts on himself to achieve and succeed, and then there's the kind he gets from the media. You know, I'm not writing about where I'm at, what I'm doing, making up stories, asking my teammates stuff they got to answer for. You know, I'm here, and I don't want to throw it back us. You know, we got a rookie quarterback here. Where's the respect? But, you know, no one cares about, you know, what they write about and what they say about people. You know, I'm just left to deal with it. Yeah. Not bitter, Antonio Brown insisted. He needed to get away, and he's feeling a lot of pressure, but he's not bitter about anything. Uh, this despite uh, a recent Instagram post in which Antonio Brown wrote, and I quote, 
Bruce Arians said he's a special team guy. He can't learn the plays. Hots and sights. Not smart enough. Coach T, bench me on a bye week. Said two dogs, one bone. God bless him. Hashtag put some respect on my name. I don't understand. What's the bench me on a bye week? You got me. What's hots and... Hots are... Hot reads. He's talking about oh, Aaron, okay. yeah, seeing blitzes and reacting on the fly. And the Tomlin thing he's referring to his rookie season, right? With the uh, Mike Wallace, two dogs, one yeah. bone. Yeah, I don't know what the bench me on a bye week thing uh, was all about. but uh, Maybe he was requesting, like, hey, don't bench me. If you're going to bench me, bench me on the bye week. I don't... Uh, understand a lot of what Antonio Brown says. Uh, he said yesterday that uh, despite the Instagram post and his recent actions, he's not holding any grudges. He's not bitter. No, no, I don't resent anything. You know, it's just, it's just a form of football that, you know, I think people don't get a chance to understand. You know, I think people go write stories about me and they wonder why, why he didn't play his rookie year, why he didn't play this year, or what may be the case, what may have you, you know, but as a player, I think you got to start expressing those things that uh, year by year that you go through to get them out your head. You know, I think the more you bottle stuff up and you ain't not aware of expressing yourself, that's when these players have problems. You know, but we ain't talking about the players who don't play anymore, the guys who can't remember anything because, you know, their whole career they was taught, you know, to hold stuff in. You know, uh, you know, I think we can't really express ourselves at this level. You guys make the headlines. You guys ask me about Le'Veon. Oh, what do you do for a contract? What do you think you should do? I just say, yeah, show sure, it'll work out. Now you guys write the article to say AB says he want AB, I mean, Le'Veon to show up. So it's constantly pressure, you know, it's constantly under the scrutiny, scrutiny of pressure of you guys putting me under pressure. And it's like, you know, am, am I really free? You know, what am I playing this game for? To inquire records for who? You know, when I'm done playing, no one going to remember who, uh, what my stats was in 2016 or what my stats was in 2015. So, you know, those are the things I got to clear my mind for getting away from the game because, you know, a lot of uh, issues this game present that you guys ain't really covering and no one not saying anything about. You know, I'm just left to deal with the madness from my house of what you guys make up and create. And it's like no one even cares. This, <laughs> see, it's not the CTE that's causing problems for NFL players down the road. It's keeping all that stuff inside. The guys who didn't post every thought that enters their head on Instagram. Those are the guys that have problems. This to me feels like Antonio Brown just got done with his freshman philosophy class. <laughs> He's like, nothing even matters anymore. It's all capitalist regime. Has he been hanging out with Kanye or something? Yeah. He's been around. Uh, are we free? You get on his social media and he uh, he was down at the Marlins throwing out the first pitch. Did he have his kids with him? He uh, uh, couldn't tell. Didn't have him in the locker room yesterday. They were uh, on the practice field, some of them. Uh, he was at Sacred Heart University working out this spring with the football team. That's in Connecticut. I don't know what he's doing up there. Uh, he, I mean, I don't even know what analogy to use here for what he's done. Everything he was just complaining about, he just exacerbated those situations tenfold. The pressure, scrutiny. By saying the stuff he just said, he's going to come under way more scrutiny. He's going to get attacked <laughs> right. for the like he what just he, made it so much worse for himself. What do you think was going to happen? Everyone's going to go, "Oh, okay, All right. you're right." Well, he's that emotionally unstable. I do agree, though. That like, I mean, this guy gets interviewed more than like you know Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and she has to watch every word that she says. <laughs> yeah. and, Actually, know, though, he doesn't. He only you don't think he refuses to talk except oh, on Fridays, right. and you know after games sometimes. Mm. But he makes such a production out of that 
Uh, it makes it seem like it. From what he wears to how it's the last guy in the locker room, and you got to watch him get dressed for half an hour. And uh, I, I don't know what to say about any of this. I'm just. I think he blames it all on Ronald Ocean. I'm just bringing you uh, <laughs> what he said yesterday, and people can come to their own conclusions. But this is the guy that uh, the Steelers are really counting on. See, I think that there's context that's missing here from a lot of the media guys because I know a lot of you guys don't follow his Instagram, and why would you? But he had a lot of drama going on with his family and his baby mama uh, in the offseason, and I think he was dealing with some personal issues and then came back to work and kicked the dog. You guys being the dog in this scenario. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Uh, 13-8, Diamondbacks over the Pirates last night. Uh, the Buccos' free fall from respectability continues. They were down 8 nothing after 3. They got it back to within 8-6 to six after the top of the 4th, and it was 10-8 after the top of the 7th. But uh, too little, too late. Uh, Trevor Williams falls to 5-4. and four. The Bucks fall to 32-35. and 35. They have lost 8 straight series in 18 of their last 24 games. They've got one more. In Arizona this afternoon, Jamison Tyone three and five with a four point oh eight ERA against Zach Granke, five and four three point five three. Stop putting pressure on Tyone. Stop doing it, Mike. <sighs> Got to get stuff out. Get, get it out. Problems buddy. down the road. You better post every thought on social media, people. Please. Otherwise, if only those players would go, guys. I just got to say this. My brain hurts. <laughs> <laughs> want to put that out there yeah uh again i none of this makes me mad at ab if i had to cover him i'd be a little more frustrated by it it's fodder i'm not mad at him i just don't i i honest to god don't understand where he's coming from or what he's all about uh, i don't think a lot of people do mike you're probably most times i don't when i think i do but this time i'm not even thinking that i have any clue what this where this guy just what from. was the impetus for it i like, think he just came out of nowhere just i what, think was he, he, was, well, he, had, he hadn't been there so we wanted to talk to him and a couple of us went up hey ab you got a minute and there was a little exchange which i didn't really comprehend and then we stood around for about 10 minutes and eventually turned around and started talking i think was he's it? been handling his personal issues and then having to put out fires that he created that people reported, like Le'Veon. Like, he probably had to squash stuff with Le'Veon or deal with some drama from something he said that got reported. And he's pissed about it. I need to start, start taking advantage now more of this uh, trend where you can say something with clearly no double meaning or interpretation and then you can just deny that that's what you meant and say it was taken out of context and everything's fine yeah that's been going on for a long time (laughs) he's like hey Le'Veon show up just show up to practice and then he that's the other the great part about (laughs) that I said was show up I didn't say I wanted him to show up yeah because you know the conversation between him and Lev was like Yo, man, you know how they take things out of context. Yeah. And Lev was probably 100% okay with it. He's like, yeah, they do. All right. Those bastards. Listen, man, you know you you owe me a couple retweets when I put my album out on Twitter <laughs> yeah. this year. It's the DVE Morning Show. So Vice.com interviewed this guy who a couple of years ago, July 10th, 2016, he was in a terrible motorcycle accident, and they eventually decided, doctors did, that they were going to have to amputate his foot. So he said, all right, can I have the foot when we're done? And the doctors were like, sure. Okay. Put it in a to-go bag. 
So his idea was, this 38-year-old guy, he was going to feed himself to his friends. He Ugh, wanted to make tacos. Out Worst of, party with, host ever. Without their knowledge? With, no, no, no. With their full knowledge. Like, oh, guys, okay. we're going to have feet tacos. Was it his foot or his whole leg? Like his, it was, I thought it was his whole leg. It was I leg thought. down. Oh, leg down. Okay. Um, for, <laughs> or knee down. Knee, knee down. down. Uh, so you had shin and foot meat. Foot meat should never be mentioned. <laughs> uh, they asked, how did, the do- how did he convince the doctor to give him the leg? He said, most hospitals have policies where they release your body parts because some of the religions where you have to be buried whole. Uh, so I signed the paperwork. My mom, who's helping me get back on my feet, haha, on my foot, drove it back uh, to me. She doesn't know I ate it, though. He put it in the freezer. All right. And he had his friends over and they're all laughing about it. And he said, when I got back to the house, I took the foot out. It was so gross. It was covered in blood. It had iodine all over it. And I cleaned it off. He goes, I was pleasantly surprised by how well preserved it was. It's not like it's they preserve it in formaldehyde or anything. But when you think about beef, which can be dry aged for months, I suppose it makes sense. So they asked him, how did you prepare the foot to be eaten? He said, well, before we cast it. I quickly took a knife from my kitchen and cut a chunk off the top of my shin. The skin was already (laughs) kind of off from the surgery, leaving a big chunk of muscle exposed. I just took the muscle, put it in a plastic bag, and put it in my freezer. He said, you know that scene from uh, Vacation where he's going, this is crazy, this is crazy? He's like, that's what it was like. It was the peak weirdness of my life. Yeah, Uh, he wasn't cooking with an amputated leg. He was about to jump into a cold pool. (laughs) Now, here's the part that freaked me out. They asked him, how did you convince 10 friends to eat your foot with you. He said, I invited 11 people. I said something like, remember how we always talked about how if we ever had the chance to ethically eat human meat, would you do it? Well, I'm calling you on that. Ethically. We doing this or what? (laughs) 10 said yes. I guess we're a weird group. Have you ever had that conversation with people? Never. No. I still, one I, time. I'm still convinced this is a bait and switch. Like all his friends are like, I thought we were having veal, and you're serving us calf. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was making tacos with a kick. Uh, he I'm had, never coming to that dude's house for finger foods. <laughs> he, he had a buddy that was a chef that said, "Okay, let's do this. I'm going to prepare it. You guys come over." He marinated it overnight, sautéed it with onions, peppers, salt and pepper, and lime juice. Then he served it on corn tortillas with a tomatillo sauce. Tomatillo. Uh, I don't know. They put the recipe online. The uh, obvious no. question: This is irresponsible. How yeah. did it? How did it taste? They said people think it tastes like pork because in movies we hear it called long pig, but that term originated in places Never like Papua that. New Guinea where they eat wild boar. They're not eating our big fat domesticated pigs that have white meat. Boars don't have white meat. They just don't. I remember eating a heritage pig and it was some of the reddest, most flavorful meat I ever had. It was almost like venison, and I think more akin to that. This particular cut was super beefy. It had a pronounced beefy flavor. I want to uh, vomit. This, this is the whole problem because in this article it said the only state where cannibalism is illegal is Iowa. So what happened in Iowa that that's illegal, first of all? <laughs> Second of all, let's make it illegal all over the place. Yes. And here's the reason why. What if they liked it? That's what I mean. Now they have a taste for human meat, and there's just 11 guys out there just searching for the next fix. Now there's a pack of dudes that have the hunger for flesh. It is so... Flesh-eating dudes. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Getting the taste for human meat, because how many times are they going to be at meals you know, going forward where they're eating something in a restaurant, but in the back of their mind they're going... 
This tastes like Tim's foot. Mm, not as beefy, but man, that foot was good. God, I miss Tim's calf. Oh, I had yeah. I had a roommate of Penn, not a roommate, but a friend of my roommate who was visiting for the weekend, like got hammered and punched through a window and just tore his hand to pieces, and a huge chunk of flesh was sticking out. Oh. So he cut it off. He just ripped it off <laughs> his hand, yeah. and he's like. He's like, you know, he was a pretty weird dude. He's like, I'm going to eat this tomorrow with butter and onions. And we're like, whatever, dude, just clean up. There's blood everywhere. And he put it in the freezer. And the next day, we're all like sitting around hungover, you know, chugging Arizona iced teas or doing whatever. <laughs> and he brought it out of the freezer and oh. started frying up onions and butter. And then he took it out and he threw it in there and was cooking oh. it. And it stunk up our whole apartment. Oh it was the nastiest. God. And we were like. It wasn't even funny. It was like we were all like, you know, repulsed. We, we can never come back from this. You know what's the saddest part of that story is that that's how that guy was trying to impress a girl. <laughs> <laughs> come on, guys. Who wants some? I'm cooking up some barbecue Ugh. chipped ham. And who would My ever? My stomach's squiggly. Why would you think to eat it? Because you're insane. Yeah. Let's eat it. Oh, oh. That, that story is actually more plausible to me than this other guy. Making plans, like setting the table. This is and, this yeah. is it's like a, a drunk college silent right? Yeah, yeah. The scene where he cuts uh, Ray Liotta's brain out, straight up. And it's terrifying because, like you said, what if all of a sudden, you know, look, chefs are doing amazing things. What if all of a sudden they're like, look, the food shortage. We've solved the hunger crisis. <laughs> We're going to eat dead people. Well, didn't somebody, didn't you do a story like a couple of years ago where there was somebody who was castrated and served it in like sushi <sighs> or something? Might have. Don't remember it as uh, surely as possible. An egg roll and an egg roll. I mean, this I definitely, is like Inception. I'd definitely rather have a leg if it's <laughs> my two <laughs> options. <laughs> yeah. My that third one- leg, guys. Would you like that in a roll or in a sashimi form? I, 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 wrap that one up in a roll for me. put it in a bun. Yeah. Do a tempura, though. I need some breading oh, around that. Oh, my Lord. Can I tell you that after I read this story about the you know serving dinner with leg, this is all, all I did was write puns the entire time. <laughs> Would you like to hear some puns? Yeah, let's hear some. Okay. I mean, here's some uh, rump roast uh, oh, sure. with a side of candied gams. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> you can have a bologna sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, some Fimar Sala like uh, served with Limburger cheese, shinsh kebabs, <laughs> ice cream. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> good kebab. That was really good. And bologna. If, if there's anything that came out of this, it's that, you know, anything to deal with amputation just flips me out and like makes my skin crawl it's like i just feel like i would have been the worst civil war battle medic on it's like the next ken burns documentary comes out and it's just like a sallow nauseated jeff conkle rushed to the aid of three thousand union soldiers and promptly barfed on all of their stumps <laughs> mr wednesday jeff conkle hanging out with us what do you got coming up uh i'm out at the arcade uh with uh, aaron cliver and jason clark we're doing kind of like a father's day uh sort of like parents stand-up show they have their uh, podcast grown dad business that they're going to be doing like a live taping of at seven and then we're going to have like a stand-up show uh at ten. Oh, that's Human gonna be awesome meat. wish it was venison was it a horse horse that which you have just eaten that which <laughs> your teeth episode. have just torn apart your taste buds have savored that was human meat <laughs> <laughs> It's always sunny.
Oh. Now that's, I think that one's going to stay with me for a while today, Val. Mm-hmm. Might be a good plant-based diet day. Right. <laughs> I was thinking that same thing. I'm going to have some shinch kebabs. Uh, Trace Blue, <laughs> you know him from MST3K, Mystery Science Theater 3000. He's on the show at 845. Jerry Dulac, 915, talks about the, the ballad of AB. And uh, Mark Madden, also Double M, I'm sure we'll have some very poignant insights into what's going on there and the uh, the struggle between Phil Kessel and the Penguins organization. That story continues. Mark sheds a little light on that for you coming up. Berg. Florida couple managed to turn happy hour into a rather unhappy evening after they both got tossed behind bars for fighting over booze in the parking lot of a Dollar General store. Oh my god! I mean, that's that's got to be on the uh, white trash family feud as like a ninety nine percent of respondents. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a squabble that you would see if they had a just ducky tour, but for white trash in Florida? And here you'll see. I feel like a there native should, Florida couple. There should be a hotline for Dollar General store managers that's just like, if you have a woman giving birth in your parking lot, press one. <laughs> if you have a drunk couple fighting over Boone's Farm, press two. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. We got a lot planned for you here. We got uh, Trace Ballou from Mystery Science Theater 3000. He's going to be in town. Is it the Hollywood Theater in Dormont? They're going to be doing like a live type of uh, MST3K. That's pretty oh, cool. that's awesome. Him and Frank Conniff are going to be doing it, so you can go and see them do that live. And uh, I used to love that show. I'll tell you, I'm due to do a little binge watching on that. Though that's some good uh, mindless just <laughs> hilarity. They're so- Manos, hands of fate. Manos, hands of fate. <laughs> they, I just love the idea of watching horrible movies and shredding them. Or just watching other people make fun of them. Some of the one-off jokes they had during that were so <laughs> fun. Just real quick, one-liners, zinging, yep. just apropos of nothing, just making fun of how bad these movies were. Oh, They were such a joy to watch. Well, Trace will join us at 845. Yeah, I put that on social media like, ah, oh, he's going to be on the show tomorrow. Just kind of thought, whatever. And then everyone's like, yeah! Like, they're fan bases. It's fervent. Oh, yeah. Jerry Dulac talks the AB debacle. I don't know what else to call it. Jerry D's fan base Sideshow. is fervent. AB abominable? No. <laughs> he just came in and was crazy yesterday. But, uh, you know, you shed some light on something that I wasn't previously aware of, Bill. He's going through some uh, some personal turmoil. He's got some baby mama drama going on. All right. Well, and might... I think that that's why he took some time off. That kind of explains the uh, erratic outburst yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and Mark Madden later on in the show. Val's got news right now. What's up, Val? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast, and it's brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. We're loving it. It's 67 degrees now at DVE. The news is brought to us by BobbyRayHall.com. Guest Jeans co-founder Paul Marciano is stepping down after a sexual harassment investigation. The company said in a corporate filing, Marciano exercised poor judgment in his communications with models and photographers. His resignation was announced yesterday. Guests as the now former executive chair put himself in situations that give rise to allegations of inappropriate comments and texts and unwanted advances that included kissing and groping. Supermodel Kate Upton, one of the women who accused Marciano, Upton says Marciano aggressively kissed and groped her during a lingerie shoot back in 2010 when she was just 18. 
A widower of a flight attendant killed on Flight 93 is scheduled to speak at a memorial this weekend. Lorne Lyles will be the guest speaker at the Flight 93 Speaker Series program in Shanksville. That's at the memorial near where the plane went down on 9-11. Lyles' wife, Cece Lyles, was one of the 40 passengers and crew members who died that day. Lyles is expected to talk about the conversation he had over the phone with his wife as the plane was going down. That event is scheduled from noon to 2 on Saturday. Heinz Field officials are teaming with the tailgate guys to provide hassle-free tailgating for football games and concerts. The group made the announcement Tuesday saying that they will provide setups on the Great Lawn outside the stadium to interested parties. The tailgate guys already team with Penn State football and several other NFL organizations. They're just, the tailgate guys are just like party planners? Yeah, it's from their website, it seems like they have... A, like a designated area, and they set up a tent and tables. This is valuable. And all it's the this. Pittsburgh tailgate kings. Yeah. That's exactly what it is, and I think it's a great idea. Yeah, they're teaming up with the Steelers to do this, I guess. So. Oh. Well, uh, I don't know how – I don't know. I don't know if that's – like what I was thinking it was was kind of more like – my buddy who doesn't live here was planning this big tailgate – he comes up for one game every year. It's usually the home opener. He plans a tailgate for all of our buddies. And one year he was like, I'm not going to be there. So he had another friend of ours kind of plan things out, go to get like pizza from Aiello's and Minio's, That's go to deal, get man. a couple of kegs, have some some bottles, set up the table. This guy set the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. Yeah, I have to tell you, like being a longtime planner of tailgates and uh, only recently having downscaled uh, drastically as compared to uh, what we used to do. When there were times that we all bought food, like, you know, hey, I'll stop and get uh, Pizza Fiori's, you get wings from Big Shop Bob's, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's different. It just feels different. Than if you make but it. But when we all made food and we would bring stuff and you, like, come equipped and you have, like, the cleanup and the tables mm-hmm. and you, when you do it all yourself... It feels different. It feels like you're cheating when you go and buy Just stuff. stuff. If up. you have one or two things like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, we got a Prannel's uh, almond tort over there if anybody wants to crush one of those. You know, that guys were cheating. We got to bake these ourselves. <laughs> no, I, I know. I, just, I know what you mean. I just think that there's something different about, you know, you're more um, invested in M- it. Mike's wife made, uh, you know, uh, jalapeno dip. Check that out. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. you try that seven-layer dip that so-and-so made. You know, it's all about that, like, dude, great job on this. This is awesome. But would you Kate- would you concede that it just depends on where you're at in the path? Like, for some people, they're like, look, that's great. I don't want to make a bunch of stuff. Yes, what? I understand that. But I used to love Saturday nights if, Prep. O- on the nights when I cooked. Most of the time, I'd be like getting the beer. I was always, I was always in charge of the beer. Mm-hmm. But then, like, we all took turns cooking. Yeah. So on the on the, and then maybe one or two people bring like a little dish, and the tailgates got out of control. They just got too big, so we kind of had to downscale them. But um, nobody made foot tacos, right? No foot tacos. <laughs> but on the nights of. that I cooked, I liked that, like cracking a beer and like, all right, I'm making chili. I'm doing this. I'd get the tunes going, awesome. catch a buzz, and start just making. Tailgate food. Although sometimes you had to watch how much you had to drink before you started cooking. Because one time I made barbecued beef, and uh, I had this awesome barbecued beef recipe, and I was really psyched for it. And it called for it like you had to put it in a crock pot, 
Um, but I think he had to braise it in an oven first or something like that. I don't know. Or it, it, however, I took it out of the package. You know those little plastic things mm. that are underneath meat in yeah. the container. Yeah, like like, you a, them, like a pad. You, oh, I put it right in, in the crock pot and it Yikes. cooked for hours with the, uh. with the plastic thing in there. So now I'm like, dude, this is the biggest part of my buffet. If I get rid of this, I'm in trouble. So I started getting on the internet to find out what that stuff is and how bad it is for you. It's and the, plastic. Can I run this meat through a strainer of some sort? There are tons of stories on the internet of people who have cooked full meals and are like, oh, I forgot to take the plastic out. Yeah. Or it's stuck to the bottom. And everyone's like, no, just throw it away. It's fine. Everything's fine. So I was stuck with the decision. Do I take the meat that had been cooked with some plastic? <laughs> Slowly, <laughs> wow. by the way, slowly, very low heat over many hours. Uh, or do I just bail on the whole thing and try to figure out something at 11 o'clock and go to like Coons on Banksville late night? And, yeah, and, and that's go, a go through the uh, zombie meat yeah, section. You can make that decision for yourself, but not other people. See, that's what correct. Yeah. Or you can take it and say, here's the deal. <laughs> I cooked this with plastic. That's what I did. Or post did you, the disclaimer. Do people eat it? Everybody is. eat at your own <laughs> risk. Yeah, oh, I mean, then, let's think of the things we ingest every day. Is that going to be a really big deal? And then the other thing, no, I just told everybody, I'm like, hey, I left that plastic thing in there for like four hours. Uh, so eat it at your own risk. Right. And everyone's like, I don't give a crap. You know, the, the stuff <laughs> you put in your eat. stomach. At right. A that's game. what I'm saying. Or just chemicals and stuff. I made barbecue ham with and I put jalapenos in it one time. And Ooh, Casey, yikes. Casey, like snuck up behind the tailgate and had like. Five of them, and he, he had he ate like a pound of it. He's going ran this stuff, dude. And he had barbecue sauce all over his face. He's like this is unbelievable. I'm like, how much did you just eat? Because it was full, and then it was like down <laughs> halfway. He's like, oh, no, I just crushed like five or six of them. He had it all over his face. I'm like, dude, that's a faux pot. You can't have that much. <laughs> that jalapeno's time release. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is there a porta potty around here? I remember that was the Bears game. It was a very very weird day. Didn't but, your buddy like pass out before you yeah. even got in there, or yeah. he passed, or he fell asleep in his seat? He bought tickets on the uh, on the uh, um, in the first row behind the Steelers bench, and he convinced his friend, who doesn't drink, and is a Bears fan, to come with him. And they both wore Mexican wrestler suits. Of course, yeah, <laughs> you have to. And uh, like he wore a Steelers one, and his friend wore the Bears one. And uh, he got hammered and passed out in his seat before the game started, so he got kicked out. And then <laughs> the guy who doesn't drink got stuck sitting there by himself wearing a Bears Mexican wrestler outfit <laughs> for the whole game. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Speaking of food, hanger is real. A new study confirming that feeling of hanger or hangriness, uh, which is being angry when you're hungry is an actual thing. The American Psychological Association published a report which finds that environmental cues and a person's emotional awareness determines if someone gets hangry. After a series of experiments, results showed people who were hungry reported more unpleasant emotions than those who ate. Scientists say the condition of our bodies play a huge role in how we behave in day-to-day experiences. Oh my God, I have that so much. Oh, me too. I get I get so weird and angry and just judgmental, and I just start throwing shots at everyone. <laughs> my girlfriend does that says that all the time. She's like, "You well, you said you know we were going to do this, or you wanted to do this, and, and now you're saying something completely different." And I'm always like, what, "Did I eat before I said that? Because if I didn't eat, 
And she knows. She's like, let's just stop yep. and you get something to we eat. We have to fill your stomach first. You're going to be irrational until you do. I don't know why that is. That that seems like a relatively new thing for me. I almost completely flipped out. We went to the Arts Fest and we hadn't eaten. And that we, we got the kids food, so we took care of them. But we're down there and we're sitting in line for the girls to get their faces painted and there's like you know they're already asking if they can go over to the crafts table and i'm just like to serene i'm like what do you want we gotta get something now we gotta get it now <laughs> she's like i don't know get me a chicken gyro or something i'm like all right i'll be back in a minute and just <laughs> high stepped across that lawn to get a chicken gyro well that's just it i need to eat you know, eat like, and sleep. I have to eat. What about slime? Oh, there are people. I have friends who are like, oh, I'll get around to eating, and I'm like, no, no I, yeah. I got, I got to eat, man. Like, it's not going to go well for me if I don't. And I get slungry. Like, you ever get yes. really hungry right before you go to sleep? All the time. <laughs> no, but if I'm really tired, yeah. I just want to eat everything. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm like uh, uh, throughout the day snacking zombie. Snackosaurus. I do feel like that could be a defense one day. You know how there was the Twinkie defense for that one guy years ago? The hangry defense is going to come into play at some point. Well, Your Honor, in my defense, yes, I did beat that person to a pulp who didn't deserve it, but I I had not eaten. All I had was a power bar (laughs) for breakfast that day. It was 6.30 p.m. Wasn't the Twinkie guy the guy that killed Harvey Milk? Yes, and he got off because they said he was eating Twinkies and had a bad diet and it was making him act erratically. Oh really? Yeah. I don't. I don't think I ever heard that story. Totally weird. The Twinkie defense. Oh, yeah, it worked. Uh, according to a new survey, a majority of Americans would rather drink at home than go out, and surprisingly, a lot of millennials would rather do drinks under their own roof. Twenty-eight percent of young adults, twenty-four to thirty-one, said they would rather drink at home because it just—it's too hard to go out. It takes too much effort. Totally agree. When you're that young, though, it's takes too much effort yeah i mean at that age i was like yeah let's go the difference between then and now for me is then i used to be like what's everyone in a hurry for it's only nine o'clock i mean i don't know i'll see you down there 10 30 11 and now i'm like it's 5 30 why aren't we having beers (laughs) (laughs) 74 percent of respondents said a girls or guys night in was way more relaxing no waiting for a table or in line or trying to get a bartender's attention 35% said having drinks at home with friends was a better way to catch up than yelling across a table at a bar. And uh, having a few drinks at home uh, much cheaper. 69% of respondents saying that's why they would rather drink at home. Uh, Oh, my God. The difference now for me is if I don't, if I stay home, I I don't like hang out and like have a nice night at home where I'm like, oh, I'll have a beer and whatever and just hang out and do stuff. I just fall asleep. Like if I'm not going out, it's like, okay, I'm staying in the night. It's 8.30 p.m. That's okay. Your body's telling you something. See, I start drinking. (laughs) I'm dadding so hard right now that I've been drinking in the garage. (laughs) And it's amazing. Do you have a cooler out there? Uh, No, but I have the the fridge is in the basement so I can sneak in, get a beer. I have my uh, my opener out in the garage. And then the, you know, the recycling trash can is right right there. there, So nobody knows what dad's doing. I'm doing some work. Leave me alone. And it is, I'll drink about four or five beers, just doing yard work, taking breaks in between, coming back, swigging, swigging a little uh, little brewski, a little, little ice cold it. cruiser. Does it make you feel pretty manly when it you're does. doing that? It does. It does. But my belly is almost <laughs> unacceptable at this point. I got to stop. Um, are you doing like the craft beers? Or are you going back to- No, just- no, no. 
I'm drinking Miller Lights, Coronas, Peronis, <laughs> Stellas, anything I can get my hands on. You Peronis. I like how you're on those Peronis. Peronis. I've been on the Peronis for a couple of years. They're, they're delicious. They're delicious beverage. And they, I like a pills. They don't have, and they don't have, uh, you know, twenty percent alcohol in them. They're they're a b- normal beer. Yeah, right. You don't get wasted from drinking two of them. Yeah. I've been guzzling the hard cider lately. Yeah, see, that's good. You're on that cider, huh? Nice girl drink. I went last nice night. Fifty year old lady drink. <laughs> How many of them do you drink? Uh, only two during the week. A night. Oh, during the week. Yeah. A night per night. Lately. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you have to. I went and had an ice cold Bud Light at the Silkies after I went to see Mr. Rogers last night. Aww. I went to see the documentary. I would have thought you'd had an apple juice after you saw that. Now, glass of milk. I highly recommend going to see it. It is great. He is, uh, as advertised, he was a one of a kind, once in a lifetime kind of guy. I really like the fact that it's surrounded by people who worked with him on the set who are still just in awe of him because they never saw him slip once you know the cynic in me would be like well there had to be these like he had to have flipped out one time right like just had you know mr rogers Everybody had loses to be their temper hangry at some point uh but that was never the case he nope. really was as advertised the scene where he convinces congress to uh keep funding pbs and he gets the 20 million dollars right as it was about to be taken away and he was literally the hail mary to keep that and he just went off script and made it happen it it's remarkable uh his two sons are, are pretty cool too because this one son looks like very professional and buttoned down and wearing a suit and his other son's like a bearded dude wearing a grubby pirate hat you know i love it does his whole family still live here i'm not sure about that uh and his wife still she comes off so great in it and they just have so many uh interesting insights into what he was really about how he fought for these kids all the time. That's all he really cared about. And the fact that he, he a swam cause. a mile a day, but he when he went swimming, I also like this, he wasn't like on a mission. He wasn't like out there like, yeah, got my best time today. He was like swimming leisurely for a mile. He just kind of swim and he'd do some turns and flip around in the water. And he Taking always, in some water, doing fountains while he was swim, swimming was on his back. And every day he weighed himself and he was 143 pounds every day since he was like 15 years old or 16 years old. Something crazy like that. He stayed 143 pounds and then 143 became very significant for him. And you know, if you remember that thing like when you're in grade school and like, I love you, 143. I don't. The code, you know, I is one letter and love is four and U is three. So that was a very special thing to him. He was that like centered, genuine, peaceful. Like he was just built different than anybody else. I'm afraid I'm going to have to wait till that comes out on home viewing the platforms. No, go watch it. (laughs) No, because I'm afraid that I'll just weep. (laughs) Oh, there's people crying all over the theater. Yeah, you can hear people sniffling and stuff. It's it got me a little bit. Yeah. You know. The the guy who's his stage manager for however many years, it's like tatted up and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, man, we were messing around all the time. We'd pull pranks on him. He was cool, man. He didn't care. <laughs> he seemed like such a cool Pittsburgh guy. He's really funny. Uh, so it's not just all a bunch of people like, you know, all these like angelic figures like he touched my life. And, you know, there are people right. joking around about him. And Yo-Yo Ma is, is uh, uh, great in it. And also, like many people who came across Mr. Rogers, he's in disbelief. That the guy existed. He's like, he just seemed 
So weird. He talked about the first time he met him. He got really close to his face, and he's like, it's really nice to meet you. He's like, I was totally freaked out by that. <laughs> he's like, but then I realized that's how kids like interact, and he's trying to interact the same way as kids when broadcasting to them. Mm-hmm. And then the Coco the Gorilla scene is just, I mean, come on. It breaks my heart. Ugh. Coco the Gorilla liked two people, Robin Williams and Mr. Rogers. And he's was like, he, didn't want to let like them go. Was he like a little terrified? Mr. When, Rogers? Uh, yeah. Coco? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It looked it like it. Be. looked like he wasn't totally sure because Coco had him. Yeah. And was not letting him go. But he kept making the sign for I love you. And he, 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 the first thing he wanted to do was take off Mr. Rogers' shoes because he'd been watching the show. Wow. That's Coco very, was a fan. I want a documentary on Coco. Val, let's not go to see this in yeah, public. I, I don't think I can. Just it, make sure you definitely don't have any hard cider before you go in. <laughs> you will be a blubbering mess. I, they, the last five or six minutes is the part that's tough. So they talk about, like, how would Mr. Rogers handle today, these times? And everybody is sure that he would keep at it and he would try to do his best. There's one person who's like, I don't know, man. He might just pack it up and say, well... This ain't working. If there was ever someone they should make a hologram of, it, it should be Mr. Rogers. Uh, yeah, maybe. He probably, I'm surprised he didn't provide for that. I think he would just continue the his message that he always had. Look for the helpers. It's, uh, They're everywhere. I hope. You should go see that movie. It's, it's uplifting, and it's a great piece of Pittsburgh history. Manor Theater has it in the waterfront as well. All right, Mike's coming in next. Antonio Brown goes nuts. Yesterday, very erratic, uh, hard to pin down what he was trying to accomplish with statements saying that he he wondered whether or not he was free. Also, the uh, Pittsburgh Jitney Kings coming up for you. And we'll talk with Phil the Thrill Kessel, uh, the DVE Phil, coming up. uh, And uh, we'll get to the bottom of everything that's going on. I don't know how cool it was, but... I liked it. Well, you just liked everything firing? uh... I'm just... I'm a happy guy today. Why? Because AB gave you something to talk about. <laughs> yes. Here's the thing, AB. Mike pursued with your sports, everybody. AB is making the situation worse for himself. Everything he complained about, he just exacerbated tenfold. Uh, but he's making it better for morning radio, Rand. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily the <laughs> Go case. Go AB. Go AB. I said it earlier. I talk some more. You just talk some more. It's pointless to get upset at AB for having a lack of perspective or appreciation. He just is incapable of it. What was your analogy? It's, it's like, like getting mad at a goat for not being able to ride a bike. <laughs> like, it'll kind of almost do it. And, <laughs> and, you know, he just, it's not built for it. The hooves, they keep slipping off yeah, the pedals. Yeah, like. he does not have the wherewithal <laughs> mentally. Doesn't have process. a lot of wherewithal. Yeah, Doesn't have a lot of perspective, but he's got opinions. He's got theories, and uh, he expressed some of those yesterday. In a uh, ramble that approached rant status, but didn't quite get there, and he got a little emotional at times. Uh, I think Bill Steary, uh, Bill being our resident Instagram expert yeah. here on the <laughs> TV Morning Show, because if you're going to ask me to follow a couple hundred athletes' Instagrams and Twitters and all that crap, that ain't happening. Right, but Bill. Thanks for the assist. You say he's got some stuff going on. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I was just trying to provide a little bit of context because it, it, it probably came out of left field for all of you guys. And I, I'm not saying that it's 100% why. I, I don't know. But it looked like he had some some drama going on in his family in the offseason, yeah. which is why he wasn't at I was uh, aware OTAs. of I was aware of some drama without detail. Mm-hmm. So not quite left field, but it wasn't. 
center cut down the middle. Right. Um, one of the things he also uh, addressed yesterday was his displeasure with the media uh, for, among other things, uh, questioning why Brown uncharacteristically hadn't been at all of the OTAs. I don't know. I just think, you know, players like myself is under the scrutiny and the pressure all the time for of you guys making up stories, of you guys creating pressure regarding the whole cause of me being here to play football. You know, I, I took a moment to get my mind right from organized team activities. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't even, like, serious, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's not even, you know, mandatory. It's volunteer. And you guys go ahead creating a story about I don't want to throw a rookie quarterback, you know. I say this about Le'Veon, you know, it's all it's all about just you guys making putting pressure and making people be a marked man when it's like, you know, it's, it's not even like that. Thought he was going to give us a, we're talking about practice there, but he didn't quite get there. Uh, he says he wasn't critical of Le'Veon Bell. Now, this is what Antonio Brown had to say about Le'Veon Bell after OTA number two. The question was, do you have any advice, words to this effect? I'm not quoting verbatim, but uh, the question was, uh, Wondering, do you have any advice for Le'Veon Bell, uh, given his contract situation with the Steelers? Well, the first rule of getting better is showing up. You know, you can't make anything better without showing up. So, you know, I think if you show up, you know what I mean, make everyone understand where you want to be. You want to be here for not this this year, for years to come. You know, come out here and show up. You know, show up and get better and show guys you're serious. Come out here and get better and show guys you're serious. Now. There's no misinterpreting that. The media isn't infallible, and I'm not here to tell you the media doesn't sometimes have an agenda. It does, Fox News. But you can't blame the media on this one. I agree. Uh, that was honestly reported. and uh, no, Here's the thing, Mike. You don't need to defend it because nobody yeah. agrees with him. Okay. Well, I just, wanted, I just yeah. felt yeah. like I had to get that e- out once Everybody today. understands that this is an emotionally stunted individual. Yeah. I think it's important to go back to that audio because honestly, Mike, I started to hear his answer and his excuse on what he said, and I misremembered how how that interview went, what that clip was, because I thought he might have just said, like, given a non-answer, well, you know, you just always got to show up, and not said anything specifically to Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, well, that's why I saved the tapes, Bill. Yep. <laughs> you never know. Here's what uh, AB had to say about Le'Veon yesterday. You guys paint me a picture to talk about Le'Veon. I, I'm not involved with Le'Veon business or his contract. You guys write about it and say, oh, A.B. says it show up. I just say the first rule again, better to show up. I didn't say he got to show up. He got his own business. Yeah, he did. But that's why I go yeah. back to referring. You guys put the pressure on me all the time. In regards to life, in regards to everything, and, and we just supposed to take it. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that, ain't, that ain't freedom. That ain't freedom. I like uh, how he said you guys paint him a picture to talk about Le'Veon. I just imagined Ed Bouchette quickly drawing a caricature of A.B. like with a tennis racket and then like a little sign (laughs) that says, talk about Le'Veon. One of those character things you uh, get at the beach. Yeah. I did a quick landscape. It was a nice barn (laughs) with a silo and a lake. Exactly. Very, very calming. You guys paint me a picture. Look, if I paint you this picture, will you talk trash on Lev? Come on. It's got to be good. He's just, he's having a rough time at home. He's uh, having a bad day, bad week, bad he's month. He's going to forget this happened. He already did. Like, honestly, the, to get, and I know the whole town is going to spin like a top over this on Sports Talk for the next couple of days, it's pointless. There's no. Not, not pointless. 
Well, no, exonerating yourself, yes. uh, you know, from baseless allegations it's not, is always a good thing. It's not thing. necessarily foreshadowing or impactful, but it ain't pointless. He's brother. still gonna have a great season. <laughs> this is gonna pass. He's. Uh, as Bill said, you got a little baby mama drama. And look, I mean, you know, some of what he's saying that the the essence of what he's saying could be there's some truth in it. Like the media blows things up because sometimes we don't have anything to talk about. And if you give us something to talk about, maybe we talk about it more than we we yeah. should have. My advice to him would be then uh, make it less of a production, be a whole lot less cryptic, and maybe try to talk to us like an adult and some of these perceived inconsistencies or inaccuracies right. may, may well clear themselves up. Well, when he says, like, am I even free? Am I free? Yeah, you are. Yeah, he's totally free, and I know he's frustrated because people are showing up at his workouts, but he puts all his workouts on Instagram. Yeah. Stop, he, uh, he stop shows... giving us your life frame by frame on social media. Yeah. Or Facebook. Example, in the locker room after a playoff win. Yeah. I think that's the feeling that some of these athletes get now is is sort of the residuals of life on social media. They just get those moments of like, all right, it's too much. I don't want anybody to look at me. And it's like the rest of the time you've been saying, hey, look at me. This may be totally unfair, but in, you and I talked about this earlier, Bill. I still have much more... Um, I don't know what the right word is, but... I hold Lev more accountable for stuff like this than I do AB because I think AB is just not capable. Like he's emotionally not there. I'm not saying that's okay, but that's not going to change in his tenure at uh, in the NFL. He, no, that's gonna that's no. gonna take a long, long time for if he wants to work that out. But it's not gonna happen here. So, the goat, the goat ain't gonna win the Tour de France. No, not yet. <laughs> but Lev Bell, he knows. Like I feel like he knows, and he is a lot more uh, capable. And manipulative when it comes to this kind and of stuff. I and think I think that AB is just reactive. He's just, he's a child. I think El Bell's behavior has affected the team on the field way more. Because I he's totally been suspended agree. twice. Yeah, that's affected You the know, team he's the not field. come to training camp yeah, last I'm, year. I'm not sure that affected anything. He had a really good mm. year last year. I know, but I mean, ask Think Ben. how much better it could have been. Ask Ben how, uh, yeah. how camp was without, without El Bell. If he would have showed up for the walkthrough the day before the playoff game or not been late to that game, and I don't know. Yeah, he said that was excused. I don't. Did know, the team know. say it was excused? He said it was excused. Did the team? I, I can't recall. I, I cannot tell you with any certainty that the team said it was excused. All right, I say it was an excuse. Let's he figure not, out who's he right. He has not been disciplined <laughs> to anyone's knowledge. Right. That's not to say it didn't happen behind closed doors. I think that the NFL season needs to be year-round for, for A.B., I think the off season for him is dangerous. I totally agree. Well, he's been working out like a madman. Nobody uh, doubts his dedication. Mike, like you said, the fact that he hasn't been in practice can only mean that he's been having some personal. Yeah, because he loves it. He yes. just—it's he, his air. It's his yeah. oxygen. It's his water. Right. It, it, he lives for this. Let me take a quick break. I'm coming right back. DV. All right, it's the DV Morning Show. Mike Pursuit, let's uh, finish up where we were uh, leaving off there with sports. Uh, Pirates lost 13-8 to the Diamondbacks. Here's how their night went. They allowed six runs in the bottom of the first. Five of the runs were unearned. Pirates made three errors while losing for the 18th time in their last 24 games. They've got another one in Arizona this afternoon. Jamison Tyone for the Bucks against Zach Granke, who never loses at home. This ought to end well. Uh, the Capitals had their parade yesterday. 
in D.C. And uh, the star of the show, of course, was Captain Alexander Ovechkin, who, while addressing the crowd, credited the Caps' kind of unofficial motto for the season for allowing them to finally deliver a Stanley Cup to D.C. Oh, Ovi. Uh, it just, I saying, we're not going to be sunk this year. <laughs> we're the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah! Woo! Yeah! Woo! Boy, is that beautiful. What a what a nut! Russian steroids—they make you what a nut. They were they they were talking uh, back to back. (laughs) It could happen, man. It could be uh, straight up pens, caps, pens and caps again. Like you pointed out, last four years in a row, they've dominated the regular season. Yes, and they're finally over the hump now. So they're going to go one of two ways. Now they got some contract stuff to work out and things with the coach and whatnot, but they're either going to be just fueled by this and the pressure's finally off and they're going to get even better or they're not going to stop drinking. <laughs> right. One of the two. Well, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. This could be a dynasty in the in the making it's, or it could be a battle royale between these two teams. It's setting up great. Yeah, the pens and caps are both probably at the top of the list for contenders for next year. And the last three years they've met in the postseason and they've shared the last three Stanley Cups. Now it's a rivalry, man. This is phenomenal stuff. Uh, well, speaking of the Penguins, we're continuing to swirl about uh, forward Phil Kessel. News about a rift between him and head coach Mike Sullivan hasn't stopped since the end of the season. And we wanted to talk directly to the source. Uh, so we got Phil the Thrill on the line right now. Phil, are you there? Oh, yeah. I'm there. What? So, I got to tell you. I've never felt this bad. I, I might not make it through the call. Well, gee, I knew there's probably some truth to the rumors, but it, it sounds pretty serious. Are, are you in pain? Yeah. I, I Look, I tried to stick it out, but I think I got to quit. What do you mean quit? You're still under contract for four years. Wait, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the rumors <laughs> that you were frustrated with Coach Sully for not playing you with Gino this season, and they're looking to trade you. What? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, what are you talking about? Dude, I've been playing an eating game since the Capitals beat the Knights. An eating game? Wait, what kind of eating game? Every time someone posts a pic of Ovi drinking with the cup, I have to eat a donut. That sounds really dumb, Phil. Yeah, it was. I think I can <laughs> hear you getting diabetes. If I eat one more munchkin, I think I'm automatically in the lollipop guild. Well, I think you'd be a welcome addiction. Or addition, rather. <laughs> well... Freudian slip there. Yeah, that was Kinda a Freudian slip. Kind of. I think I got a problem. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> while, while we have you on the line, I got to ask you about your relationship with Sully. It's not, it's not good, Randy. It's not, it's not good. So then there is truth to the speculation that you two didn't see eye to eye. Totally true. Totally true, did you say? Totally true. <laughs> totally true. <laughs> He's a, a cheesecake, cheesecake factory guy, and I'm definitely an Applebee's all day kind of guy because there's no place like the neighborhood you know what i'm saying i do know what you're saying is, is that a metaphor though or no when we're on the road he's always trying to get people to go to the cheesecake factory and without my wingman talking around i got no one to get wings with <laughs> eating riblets alone is a dark place i can only imagine i'm sorry to hear that well, what about on the ice i had 92 points i literally have never tried this hard well, <laughs> <laughs> 
What about the playoffs? Were you hurt? No. Trying in January made me tired. <laughs> it's just way too much cardio. All right, that makes more sense. <laughs> that and uh, eating freaking glam burgers and avocado toast. Uh, well, that could have an impact. All right, uh, I hope that uh, the OV eating challenge is over. You might want to pull back on that one. So it is. I'm done eating donuts this afternoon. All right, good. That's glad to hear. I'm glad to hear that, rather. And uh, appreciate you calling in, Phil. We, we're glad to talk yep. to you. I'm going to switch it up to burgers. No. I'm going to IHOP today. <laughs> international Boner Town, right, Val? That's, That's not, right. No, her joke was International House of Boners. <laughs> hey, do you think I really have diabetes? All right, we'll see you later there, Phil. <laughs> Uh, I bet every teacher has been driven to drink, but you might want to wait till you get out of the school. The Virginia <laughs> elementary school teacher in hot water for allegedly boozing inside a classroom. Teresa Folsom was the one officer say was drinking. Alcohol was found in her classroom. She was arrested and placed on suspension. If you're so drunk that it gets deemed a medical emergency, then you are in bad, bad shape. <laughs> know, and you're man. in an elementary school. <laughs> Things have gone south. <laughs> Maybe you chose the wrong career. All right, guys, we're going to finger paint today. <laughs> I'm going to lay down. This is social studies. <laughs> Just paint Andrew Jackson. <laughs> Shut up. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle on the show there earlier this morning. Val's got your news right now on the DVE Morning Show. we got Trace Blue coming up from Mystery Science Theater 3000 at 845. Jerry Dulac 915 and Mark Madden closes out today's show. What's up, Val? Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast, and it is brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. For 11. It's 68 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Federal officials are taking no chances with wildfires burning in the southwest. They have closed national forests in Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona. Among the blazes is the 416 fire in Colorado, which has scorched 23,000 acres, and the Buzzard Fire in New Mexico, which has burned 41,000 acres. A dry winter coupled with an unusually hot spring has made conditions ripe for fires there. Uh, there seem to I'm be flying right there. Yeah. Durango in two weeks. Like the day I went to buy my plane ticket, the news story broke like wildfires breaking out in uh, Colorado. I'm like, oh, that's okay. Can you take our weather with you? The yeah, rain, that would be helpful. Yeah. That would be helpful. They could use it. Do you see uh, they, it burned out uh, uh, like. Uh, the uh, like size of land, the size of Manhattan. That's, a lot of acres. That's yeah. insane. Significant. There seem to be a lot of naked men in the area lately. Uh, officials saying a woman had an encounter with a naked man while walking Fayette County's Sheepskin Trail. Investigators in Dunbar Township say they did find the man. He is facing charges. With only a condom on, right? <laughs> the trail is being developed <laughs> between... Dunbar and Point Marion Borough to connect through Fayette County. Did they ever determine if the second naked guy downtown here was the same naked guy? Oh, yeah. They did say it was the same guy? Well, no, it looked like the same guy. I mean, no, I don't know the guy. No, those were just pictures from the day before. Oh, were they? I thought so. I, I don't even think the existence of the second naked guy was confirmed. On the south side. Was there confirmation of that? I know. There was I don't know. Reports. I don't know. Is this like the JFK conspiracy theories? <laughs> it might be. There was a second naked guy on a grassy knoll, <laughs> and he was butt naked. All sorts of <laughs> unseemly news this morning. The New Jersey superintendent accused of 
defecating on an area high school's track wants to see all the surveillance video in the case. <laughs> he wants the video. I want to make sure I get my best angle. Attorneys for 42-year-old Thomas Tramaglini say their client has only received small snippets of the video that authorities say shows him relieving himself on the Holmdale High School track. A camera was set up after officials <laughs> oh, repeatedly found human waste at the site. Tamaglini was silent during his brief appearance before a judge yesterday. The New Jersey school official faces charges of lewdness and public defecation, but is not likely to serve any jail time for this. And a Pennsylvania prison inmate in trouble for allegedly sending an envelope full of poop to a prosecutor. Investigators say Dauphin County Prison inmate Rashim Drummond handed a deputy DA the envelope that was said to be a letter about his robbery charge. However, officials say it was actually fecal matter and additional charges have now been filed. The incident happened in April and the 34-year-old this week waived his right to a preliminary hearing in the poop case. He was convicted of robbery as well. He hands it to the guard. Can you please mail this out for me? Poops all over his hand. <laughs> um, no. No, Daryl, I can't. <laughs> I know what's in there. Like if you get a if you get a a letter and it, uh, like an envelope and it's filled with poop, you know it's filled with poop. Yeah, there's no way that's a surprise. Every person along the way until it gets to you yeah. knows it's filled with poop. Unless this, it's that like calcified like dog poop, poop that's white. Oh, yeah. Something like that. No. No, this was like he, it was fresh. No. It was done. Exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Do you and your partner eat the same way? If not, maybe you should start because a new survey found that couples who eat healthy together are more likely to stay together than partners who have differing views on diet, which, well, I guess that's. I just eat a lot more than her. She's a little bit. The survey found 95% of respondents who make an effort to eat healthy are also in a relationship with someone who prioritizes healthy food. And 60% of those who are on a specific diet change their eating habits to match their partners. The survey also looked at relationship satisfaction based on the type of diet couples followed. Couples that ranked highest in satisfaction were those who followed a vegetarian diet and a Mediterranean diet. I I always get pissed when Serena gives me the plate. It's like a serving platter and she piles up the food i'm like what kind of monster do you think i am (laughs) you just gave yourself a kitten saucer with like there's like two broccolis and a half a piece of a half a fish and i'm over here with a a pan of lasagna (laughs) it's just it's the toughest you gotta be on it together portion control small plates yep that's what I they think say. that's the problem with my cereal bowls. My cereal bowls are like a gallon deep. Like, they're <laughs> huge. <laughs> you do it, you're shoveling it out with a serving spoon? They're so big. I have to... <laughs> I have to hold it like with my whole arm around it. <laughs> yeah, that's you might want to downsize. Like a bushel basket. Like one of those big ice cream buckets. <laughs> How big of a deal is it to take your dog to work with you? That's uh, a pretty big deal, uh, especially for millennials. A new survey found 51% of millennial pet owners say they would consider a career change for a pet-friendly workplace. And 37% of pet owners say they would give up vacation time and work from home days if their workplace would become pet-friendly. 
A fire destroyed a Queens, New York diner featured in Goodfellas on Monday. The restaurant was the setting of a memorable scene from the movie when Robert De Niro's character steps outside to make a call on a payphone and learns Joe Pesci's character has been killed. Uh, so Slams the phone. No! That's that. And uh, nothing we can do about it. Angelina Jolie could lose primary custody of her six children. According to The Blast, a judge has ordered her to help reconcile the kids with Brad Pitt or else. The judge in Angelina and Brad's divorce case reportedly determined the kids uh, not having a relationship with their dad is harmful to them and added that it's critical each of them have a healthy and strong relationship with their father and mother. The judge ordered Angie to have the kids' doctors explain that the court has determined each of them are safe with their father. In 2016, Brad was accused of child abuse but was later cleared of any wrongdoing. Angie also must give Brad each kid's cell phone number and allow him to call whenever he wants. And let them know, let him know what country they're in. (laughs) And she is not allowed to read their text messages or monitor the calls. Whoa. They have to have some privacy. Do you ever notice how some like some stars and I put Brad Pitt in this category have like such a PR to- team that when something like this, you know, explodes onto the the newspapers and the rags all are carrying the story. Oh, Brad Pitt's an alcoholic and he slapped his kid around on a plane, and then you never hear anything about it. And the next time you hear a story, they're like, all charges were dropped, and now the judge is being ordered for Angelina to. Give out the email addresses and Patch cell phone numbers, up. and yeah. Whoa, these people are earning their money. Yeah, no doubt about it. Fleetwood Mac, the latest superstar act to be added to the 2018 iHeartRadio Music Festival lineup. The Rock and Roll Hall of Famers will perform on the main stage, marking the first time the band will play together since the departure of Lindsey Buckingham in April. The two-day event, which also includes a performance by Skinnerd, will take place September 21st and 22nd in Las Vegas. And we're given trips away, and the festival will also be broadcast live on iHeartMedia radio stations nationwide. Uh, The Simpsons, now the longest-running primetime entertainment series in TV history, has spawned plenty of books, but it's something special when the show's longtime head writer publishes one. Mike Reese shares his memories, wit, and insider's perspective in Springfield Confidential and gives the best reason for buying the book. I've been at The Simpsons longer than anybody. I've been there 30 years. I'm not the best writer, but I am the oldest writer, and I've seen it all. And I know things even the other writers and actors at the show don't know. Uh, the show definitely beat the odds. There hasn't, uh, hadn't been an animated primetime series since the Flintstone more than, uh, Flintstones more than 20 years earlier when Fox took a chance on The Simpsons. Here's Reese again on uh, what you might learn from the book. I tell you where Springfield is. I tell you how long we think the show will last, how it's going to end, because these are the questions. They're sort of brutal questions. And the last page of the book is, why are they yellow? Because that was the toughest question to answer. No one's ever asked it. I went back to work. Nobody knew there. And I finally tracked it down. It's a good answer. I I swear to God, this show has... has boggled my mind it's been on the entire time i've been alive almost (laughs) like i remember having a bart simpson shirt when i was in the sixth grade like i just love bart simpson there was a video game that we used to play at the showcase cinema east oh yeah get dropped off for a movie early and then you could be marge with her sweeper 
which was a really good weapon. <laughs> I remember that game. Was just like I can't. They're still on, and I haven't watched for probably fifteen years. Either way, I bet they're all great too. I just haven't watched. I kind of watched up to the like season eight or nine, mm-hmm. and I knew all of those by heart. And now I don't know. I watched a little bit of one a couple weeks ago. It was very funny. Scattered showers and thunderstorms today. 80 for the high. It's 68 at DVE. Hi, this is Antonio Brown of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're listening to Randy Bauman, the DVE Morning Show. Hey, fellas. He's tired of waiting around all day for a yellow cab. Or an Uber. Or that lift with a Y. We'll wait no longer. Hi, I'm Charles Kabaki. And I'm his brother, Tim. But you just might know Spider as the Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Jitney Kings. Kings. Download our app, and we'll tell you where our driver, Dennis, is currently located on the Pittsburgh Jitney Kings GPS coordinates in relation to you. Utilizing the same technology as Uber's non-copyrighted GPS program. But using language Pittsburghers have become accustomed to. We'll let yous know how far away Dennis is from picking yous up with Pittsburghese reliability. Just click on Send Dennis. And if you received a prompt, it reads, Hold your horses. He's about 15 minutes away. If the prompt reads, Give me a minute. He's about 15 minutes away. And if the prompt reads, be right down. He's probably only five minutes away, but could be 15 if Dennis needs to stop and get a chew. And worst case scenario, if the prompt reads, start walking and I'll pick you in up. VIP members receive the one more beer option. Press the one more beer icon. And Dennis will circle for like five minutes. First one's free. Additional one more beer requests are $10 per circle. Dennis got that vertigo, though, so don't make him get all dizzy circling around Chukas. But how will you know which vehicle is yours? The Pittsburgh Jitney Kings carriage will arrive with all the character of them old lift vehicles with the cute car mustaches. And... We offer one of our four classic Pittsburgh Giant Mustache Grill options. The Wanstead. The Staggerwald. The Dicka. Or the Leland. No smoking allowed in any of the Pittsburgh Jitney cabs. Except the Leland. Where it's mandatory. So if you need a ride from... The South Side. North Side. East End. West End. North Hills. South Hills. Hill District. No, we ain't going up there. Download the Pittsburgh Jitney Kings app. Order up a Didka. And hold your horses. Dennis will be right there. The Pittsburgh Jitney Kings. Yins guys will love us. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. And A.B., well, he kind of went off a little bit yesterday. And I'm not sure if he ever got back on. Going off the rails on a crazy train. It was. A little nutty. The classics never get old, do they, Randy? No, no. <laughs> Sports this hour brought to you by Mattress Firm. It wasn't a matter of having to play with backup quarterbacks in Ben Roethlisberger's absence that kept Antonio Brown from OTAs. Brown uh, wanted to make that perfectly clear yesterday. It was the pressure, much of which Brown believes is driven by the stinking media. I play with any quarterback. No matter who's here, I play with the Steelers. It's not one guy that I'm... You know, it's not one guy, but again, you guys write the stories. You know, 
Uh, I got to wake up to the Google alerts. You guys, you know, constantly under the pressure. I can't go nowhere and work out by myself. Fans come meet me at the field. You know, I can't do nothing normal. You know, you guys write about me every day. My mom, my kids see it. So we have to deal with these type of things, you know. Uh, and I started to think to myself, am I really free? You know, I can't really express myself in this game. I can't really tell you guys how I feel. You guys make the pressure to put pressure on me all the time. Am I really free? You know, and I go to asking myself that, being in regards to taking away time from my kids and everything that's going on. So I had to get away to, you know, free my mind. At this point, I'd like to announce I'm not going to be here for the 930 sportscast because I have to go make some more pressure to put on Antonio Brown, and that takes a while. Doom, 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 Can't doom, just doom, make that up. Doom, 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 you know, he talked for about eight minutes, give or take, yesterday, and the only thing that uh, I really thought came from the heart was when he said, I can't do nothing normal. <laughs> That'll make a good uh, T-shirt. But, yep. I'm with you on that. 84. Uh, while he was uh, going off the way he was, sneakers. <laughs> linebacker Vince Williams, whose locker is right near Browns, was recording the festivities on his cell phone. <laughs> you know, the big media semicircle, everybody reaching in, trying to mm-hmm. get the mics in. D'Antonio and Vince was in the back. It's, I mean, I can't Vince imagine just... what life is like inside the fishbowl, especially when the fish yeah. becomes momentarily self-aware. It's got to be weird having all those people looking in on you. Momentarily self-aware, I like that. You know, Very descriptive. Tomorrow he's Ronald Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> and this whole thing is uh, not recalled. I just, you know, I, I, I feel for him. Uh, he, he's showed me a different perspective on what he's going through. Imagine the humanity of having to wake up every day to those Google alerts. Yeah, you can turn those off, AB. You don't have to actually keep that going. That's a willful decision on your part. As is posting everywhere that you're going and everywhere that you are so that maybe the fans know where you are and they can come. Which, again, is (laughs) the foundation of my point, Mike. It's so ludicrous. His claims are so baseless, and obviously he's only making it worse for himself. He clearly has no wherewithal to be able to understand this is his own doing. So why even get mad at him? He's just, he's going to keep doing this stuff. And when he's done playing, he's really going to go crazy. This is just an extension of Manny being Manny, right? It's totally Manny being Manny. The, and goat, the, the goat's trying to ride the bike. If this is the bad that comes with the immeasurable, well, not immeasurable, but like, you know, very un- measurable, unparalleled good <laughs> that that guy puts on the field. All right. That's not so bad. You know? He's not getting arrested nonstop. He's not getting suspended. He's just a little bit of a pain in the ass. And so to make a big deal out of this other than go, well, look, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous what he's saying. He he, he said those things about Lev Bell, and he then he claims you it. guys made him up. We know that's not true. He's making all of the pressure for himself. He's creating this scenario. It's ludicrous to even like get angry about it. It's like, well, that poor guy's just spinning like a top. It, interesting way to kick off mandatory veteran minicamp, though, wasn't it? <laughs> We're not talking about the new kickoff rules today. No. Hey, man, come out guns blazing. You know, why not? It might be an ongoing saga because uh, although he took some time away from OTAs, uh, Antonio Brown's problems aren't all solved. Well, I'm still under pressure. You know, you guys in my face asking me about not showing up to volunteer practice. You know, uh, that's the world we live in, though. I mean, that's, that makes as much sense as him going, look, I'm under a lot of pressure. Every time I get in line at the cafeteria, they're like, what do you want to eat? I mean, I have to answer these questions. That's a lot of pressure. 
Cue the Billy Joel. I mean, I, th- I think one, of the, one aspect that I can understand is a player sort of being overwhelmed from overexposure on social media. Mm-hmm. Even if it's of their own doing, it's, it, I still believe that to be a thing. That's why I think certain players should not have an account at all. I'm looking at you, Martavis, because they go on there after games, and maybe it's, it's a game Martavis. that they didn't. It's Martavis. Same with Vince Williams. You know, get off. I mean, learn. Well, to concentrate on tackling. I don't know. I, I I think he's he's kind of riding it a little bit better. Like he is actually he handles it, participating and not responding to the trolls in a way that I feel like is unstable, like Martavis <laughs> did. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, screw you. I'm way better than Juju. He didn't get my... You know what I mean? Like, that that, that whole drama. I think there should be a threshold of uh, success on the field versus how much social media... Access to... Yeah. yeah. Like, AB, AB can do whatever he wants. You scored two touchdowns against Cleveland, so you get to tweet 12 times. <laughs> yeah. That would be a good way to Seriously. do it. Have it be earned. No. They create I mean, distractions for themselves. It's a, it's a free it. it's, platform. It's, it's yeah. clear. Yeah, no, they're free to do it, obviously, but like, hopefully, some are learning. You know, DeCastro is not creating problems for himself on uh, Snapchat. No, he's not. Kind of feels like a continuation of last year, though, doesn't it? Already, there's Cam drama. is probably like, oh god. Yeah, Cam uh, uses social media responsibly. He's putting out stuff about his charity. Yeah, Big Ben has somebody else do it for him. You know, he won't even go on there. Probably why he has the. A lot less trouble with it. That's why he doesn't, yeah. That's why you never hear him talking about it. I I just, uh, I think it's easy to see that this is AB's, uh, he's an emotionally stunted fella who has a hard time dealing with the self-created drama. And I didn't realize what Bill was filling us in on earlier, that he was having, like, family issues. That explains everything. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, I don't claim to know anything about the guy. I just, I just follow him. you hang out I, with him. Tell us about what... <laughs> I follow him on Instagram and Twitter, and I, I look at the stuff he posts, and sometimes he posts stuff that seemed to be, like, there was some drama, like, unusual drama for him in the offseason. He was talking about one of his baby, baby mothers, and... <laughs> that one apparently has been deleted. That one has? Apparently. Uh, yeah. Some of us were trying to research this. Baby mothers. Uh, furiously over there yesterday. The, uh, the It was very uh, politically correct. I liked how you said that. <laughs> the one that he came up with. Uh, child uh, mothers. Regarding uh, Bruce Arians <laughs> and Mike Tomlin about a week ago. Yeah, what was that all about? This, And I quote, Bruce Arians said he's a special team guy. He can't learn the plays, hots, and sights. Not smart enough. Coach T, bench me on a bye week. Said two dogs, one bone. God bless him. Hashtag, put some respect on my name. That was posted. That's a cultural reference. Under a collage of pictures, <laughs> one of which was the body of a goat with Antonio Brown's head on it. <laughs> he's, he's very Trump-like with his tweets. You can read them in the same voice. Which You came up with that goat ride the bike analogy. That's what it is. You can't get mad Phenomenal. at him. Can't get mad at him. I think he was trying to imply something different with the use of the goat. I think that's a great time. analogy because he's the greatest of all time. I know. But he can't ride a bike. And he can't ride a bike. Pirates both, can't both play baseball. That's why I'm saying it's a waste of energy to get mad at AB for this stuff. He's always going to do this, and you either have to accept it or you don't. Following up on that theory, it's a waste of time to get mad at the Pirates for losing, as they did last night, 13 They made it interesting, though. What a segue. 
They made it interesting, uh, but they fell behind eight to nothing before they made it interesting. Here's part of the problem: three errors, part of the problem. Uh, there are a lot of problems and few solutions. Uh, Eighteen of the last twenty-four are in the crapper. The Bucks are three games under five hundred. And here's today's problem: they have to play Arizona again. Jamison Tyone against Zach Granke. You may have heard me say last hour that Granke never loses at home. That was incorrect. He's lost once in his last 25 starts at Chase Field. He's also uh, gone 3-2 and two with a 2.96 ERA hmm. over his last five. That'll and 3-0 uh, and oh at home this year with a 1.64 ERA in seven starts. So... It's not looking promising for the Pirates to uh, avert a sweep as they were able to do in their last series. They have now dropped uh, eight series in succession. And uh, the Caps had their championship parade yesterday in D.C. Head coach Barry Trotz uh, said, quote, Love this, love the community, we're going to do it again. Now that's a a two-parter there. One, it's a challenge to the rest of the NHL that the Caps intend to repeat. And number two, it's a little indication that Trotz believes he's going to be around to try to repeat. He is a coaching free agent. But uh, Barry Trotz letting everybody know that, uh, or at least uh, implying that he is going to be back with the Caps somehow, some way. Quote, I love the players. I love D.C. My family loves it here. We'll get something done. What a time to be a coaching free agent. That uh, Coming off a cup win. It was nuts. You can really... Sense how heavy the pressure was on the Caps to win. Pressure's this everywhere, man. Pressure, a lot of pressure. Almost as much as is apparently on AB. I mean, think about how much pressure the media put on the Caps. There, there have only been uh, four coaches in the last forty years that won the Cup and did not return to that team the following year. Scotty Bowman left Montreal in nineteen seventy nine to become Buffalo's GM. Uh, he retired after winning the Cup again with Detroit in two thousand and two. Bob Johnson died after uh, the Penguins won in 1991, and Mike Keenan left the Rangers after 1994 because of a disagreement with GM Neil Smith. So it's very uncharacteristic that the cup-winning coach doesn't come back to defend the championship. A lot of pressure. Val's got news top of the hour. Val. Hatchelorette parties are a thing, and I'll tell you what they are. Chase Baloo! Crow from MST3K joins us after the commercial break. Queen, David Bowie, DBE. Show pressure, the kinks got a lot so of pressure. Much, so much pressure. AB has so much pressure. Just, just so much. When we come back, Trace Blue from Mystery Science Theater 3000. He and Frank Conniff, uh, the Mads from MST3K, they're going to be at Regent Square Theater, and you can watch them do their version of MST3K live. So that's coming up when we return. TV store for details. In the not too distant future, maybe someday AD. 
The DVE Morning Show, that, of course, the MST3K theme song from the first five seasons. And joining us right now, one of the guys who was a part of that iconic television show for, I think, was it eight or nine years, Trace? Oh, boy. Uh, I can't even do the math anymore. I think it was mm-hmm. seven or eight, something like that. Something like that. Trace, uh, and, and am I saying your name right? I don't want to screw it up. Is it Baloo? Uh, that'll do. If we're in the Midwest, uh, uh, I pronounce it Baloo. Beaulieu. Okay. It, that's the Ponzi French uh, version. <laughs> Beaulieu. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, my, my apologies. I'm a big fan, uh, an MST3K geek from way back, and I, I you know watch this religiously. You're going to be coming into town, I want to let people know. This weekend, you'll be at the Regent Square Theater along with Frank Conniff and uh, the Mads. You guys were the Mads, and you're going to be doing the like MST3K live at the Regent Square Theater. That is correct, sir. You got everything right. Uh, we are we we don't we're not in character. It's just Frank and I as you know civilians, right? Uh, but we're bringing in two different movies, and I have some bad news. These movies are not very good. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the whole point for those who are uninitiated. You know, uh, you had a quote which I thought was so great. You said the one time those movies are our Margaret Dumont, like. If for Marx Brothers uh, aficionados out there, that, that's really, they're your foil. They have to be bad. Yes, you know, and uh, people think, oh, we hate these movies. We really, we really don't. We, we enjoy these films. We travel with them so much. We're, uh, we're introducing a new film in uh, uh, Pittsburgh this weekend, but uh, we normally travel with these things all over the country, so they become a third comedy partner. Uh, so we have, yeah. we have to choose wisely. We we don't hate. We we don't hate on anything. So what is the writing process, and what has it always been for this? Because I imagine you guys watch it and riff and say, "Oh, that's good. Write that down. Okay, that's good." How how long does it take for you guys to figure out the order and when you actually committed it to the television show back then? Uh, it wouldn't have been real time. I wouldn't imagine. Uh, how how did you guys go about arranging and producing all of these? Well, the, the evolution of the writing process is kind of interesting. Originally, we started out at uh, KTMA, which is a crummy little television station in Minneapolis, and we had not seen the films before, and they were spilled out, spilled out? Yeah. Uh, in front of us, spewed out in front of us uh, for the first time, and we did all of that improv. Uh, and as the, uh, the show got picked up by uh, the channel... Uh, we were able to hire more writers and have more time to do the show, so we started really uh, crafting it a little bit better. Uh, and we would uh, write the film. We'd all sit in a writing room, uh, you know, anywhere from four or five or ten of us writers, and watch the film starting and stopping every couple of seconds to add a comment. And all of those comments went into a computer, and then uh, after that, day of writing was done, uh, people like Frank Conniff and Mary Jo Peel and Paul uh, Chaplin would take those comments and then uh, assign them to the characters and weed out, you know, we'd have a lot of duplicates, duplicate jokes, and they'd weed out the, the bad stuff mm-hmm. and assign jokes to the characters. That, that process took several days. Uh, we would watch the films three or four times, uh, and now, when Frank and I do 
uh, a script for these films. Uh, he's in Manhattan, and I'm in Minnesota. We write a full pass on the films individually, which takes a couple of days. Uh, and then when we come together, we, we pull the jokes again like we did in the old days. And uh, we, we don't trade off jokes as much now. We, we really uh, play to our own personalities and pretty much stick to our own, our own yeah. jokes. Uh, That's so cool. But, but the, the most important component in all of this is the audience. We love doing these shows live. And uh, if we don't have an audience, it's very lonely. Well, uh, I would imagine that it, there's also the danger with your audience because you have this cult following who couldn't love you more. And part of it is you have a, their dream job. This is exactly what they would want to do. And they feel like, I could do that. I'm, I, I'm imagining occasionally when you guys have done these live shows around the country, you've had a few people who wanted to be part of the gang. Uh, occasionally, uh, people will attempt that, but we have microphones, and we're much louder. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, what's, I wanted to ask you what, what the age group is you think that, that is ripe for this, because I discovered Mystery Science Theater uh, 3000 in college, and I have, a, I have a daughter now that's 10, and I really think she would love this, but I, I, I can't remember like what age that would be appropriate for. Well, now we're live, and Frank and I are very, very old. So uh, <laughs> sometimes we'll cross into uh, the blue territory. We're about a PG-13, I think. Okay. Uh, but we have had every age group come to our show, little kids uh, bringing their parents or parents bringing their little kids. <laughs> uh, and we have never had anyone go, hey, that's, that's out of line. My kid's too young. Uh, there's always something silly, uh, for every age group. And, uh, but there, there, there will be a, maybe a, 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 a presidential word, uh, now and again. <laughs> well done. Uh, you know, I, I wonder when you guys were coming up with this stuff, uh, was there a point early on when you figured out the parameters of what your referential comedy points could be? based on, like, discovering what your audience was like, oh, we can get it. They totally will get that. You know, we've always written for ourselves. Uh, we thought, you know, hey, we're entertaining this room. There's got to be a few other people out there in the world that like what we like. Uh, so we never, we were always aware that, uh, you know, kids might be watching, so we'd try to aim the jokes over their heads. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but it's, you know, we reference stuff that we don't even know about. <laughs> I like when you guys do sound effects. Just the dumb sound effects in between, too, are the stuff that always breaks me up. Because uh, a lot of times you'll seem to be, like, on a run, and you'll they'll, they'll be the recurring themes that are popping up when you guys are doing stuff. And then just apropos of nothing, a dumb sound effect will come in there. Oh, we, we are not opposed to dumb sound effects, uh, <laughs> dumb puns, uh uh, references to uh, television shows that no one's probably seen except Frank. Uh, so uh, we we like it all. We like the silly. We like the more sophisticated, which there's not a lot of, um, the, the more uh, sophisticated flatulent jokes. Right. Yes. Right. The uh, highbrow fart jokes. Yes. Oh, you can say that on the radio? Sure. 
Highbrow. There, take that. (laughs) Trace and Frank are going to be at the Reason Square Theater this weekend, and though they won't be in character, really those characters were just an extension of of your own comedic personalities anyway, so I'm imagining it's not a whole lot different. It's pretty similar. Uh, Our our acting range uh, was pretty, you know, A to B and and not much uh, in between. So you're going to see the silly relationship that Frank and I have, uh, and that uh, people enjoy that uh we've been doing shows over the all over the country and we, we haven't turned away a guest yet oh man I, I i'm really looking forward to uh that this weekend reach square theater you can get tickets to see trace and frank at jumpcuttheater.org and again the movies you're doing this weekend uh you know the the one that we're premiering uh is <laughs> It's, uh, it's, I, I, I was going to use the word classic, but that was that would be wrong. Uh, it's called Neanderthal Man. Uh, <laughs> it, it's an MGM film, and this is one of the first times that we're actually paying for the rights to one of these terrible movies. Oh, really? Uh, MGM still owns this um, epic motion picture, uh, <laughs> and and so uh, I can I can announce it. I can tell you what we're doing because. We're paying for it, and soon you will too. Yes, and uh, help <laughs> them pay for it man. by getting tickets now at jumpcuttheater.org. Trace, thanks so much for your time this morning. Greatly appreciate it, man. Looking hey, forward to seeing you guys. Thank you, guys. Can't wait to come back to Pittsburgh. It's an awesome city. We agree. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, we'll see thanks. you. Uh, so, MST3K uh, fans, get out there. And if you never watched it, uh, I guarantee you, you'll go and have a blast. They're so funny. That's a, and that's a great little theater in my old neighborhood, yeah. Regent Square Theater, and they're just funky enough to do something like this. Mm-hmm. And thank you to them for doing that. That's so cool. Jumpcuttheater.org. We tried Every to go to the opera year. last night, and it poured right when it was starting. I mean, just the skies yeah. went black, and it was those huge raindrops, and they postponed it till 8. And at that point, we were stuck in the rain and kind of felt like, all right, well, we tried. Yeah. You know, because you know how when you push through and you're like, no, we're here and we're going to do it. Rain be damned. And you go and you eat a soggy elephant ear and you're standing (laughs) on the cement with 400 other people. (laughs) If soggy elephant ear is is a euphemism (laughs) that that, that fits somewhere in your sexual lexicon. I I think that's what you get after you've been at the beach too long. (laughs) Soggy elephant ear <laughs> in the water. Oh, yeah, I don't know whether to be pruny. Whether to feel bad for you or be impressed. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Jerry Dulac will uh, talk with us here in about ten minutes. The AB saga continues. Double M, Mark Madden. Finishing out things at 945. Val has your news right now on DVE. What's up there? Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. It's 70 now at DVE. The news is brought to us by the new PPG Science Pavilion at Carnegie Science Center built to inspire. Humane officials are searching for whoever threw a dog out of a car over the weekend in Springdale. Investigators say a woman driving a newer model four-door gold car tossed the dog from an open door. Uh, Sunday afternoon near Orchard Street, the dog named Murphy is doing okay. How do they know its name? I don't know if it it must have had a name tag on. Well, what kind of idiot would leave the name tag? Well, what kind of idiot? Just go to the address underneath his name. Yeah. Uh, Anybody with information is asked to call the Allegheny County Humane Officer. What kind of dog is it? 
Uh, from the story I saw online, it was like a, it looked like almost a West Highland White Terrier, maybe. It was a small Terrier mix, maybe. Okay. Oh, did somebody adopt Murphy already? Uh, I don't believe so. Well, that won't take long, right? No. Not at all. The TSA is preparing for another record-breaking travel season this summer with 243 million people expected to pass through airport security checkpoints through Labor Day. That is a 4% increase from last year. So TSA officials are offering travelers some tips on how to get through checkpoints without hassle. Of course, it's remove. I mean, they tell you this stuff for 15 or 20 minutes while you're standing in line. Yeah. Take all your electronic devices out of your carry-on bags, you know. Separate your toiletries. Right. Make sure you use the, what is it, three ounces? Mm-hmm. It always drives me nuts Take when I see somebody off. and they like got a watch on and like earrings and they're always like, huh? What? <sighs> Not paying like, attention the entire time. Up. Yeah. I'm so worried about being the person that holds up the line. I'm like taking everything off <laughs> five back. Oh, yeah. It's like a double dare challenge or something. <laughs> I'm down to my socks. I'm going to start doing the opt out. I think it might be quicker. What's that? That's when they pat you down and put you through the metal detector instead of through the radar. Oh. I don't know if it's quicker. I, I think it's, it's definitely more invasive. It's, I haven't flown I mean, in a couple depends of years. On, it's less x-ray-ish. Yeah. Burr does that. For sure. He said My wife he does, does that. Do you, do you yeah. sign up ahead of time or do you just volunteer No, you there? just say opt out. Oh. It's great when you travel with kids because they don't make the kids go through that thing. So you just get to go through the metal detector. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Walt Disney World is holding a contest with a grand prize it calls a once-in-a-lifetime adventure. The resort announced a winner and a guest will spend a night camping out underneath the floating mountains of Pandora, the world of Avatar at Disney's Animal Kingdom. To enter, submit a video explaining why you want to win the prize, which also includes a four-day, three-night stay at Disney World. Park tickets, VIP tours, round-trip air, and more. You can find out more online at Disney.com slash decamp. Taco Bell inviting customers to steal a taco as part of their Steal a Game, Steal a Taco promotion. Taco Bell offering one free Doritos Locos taco from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. today with no purchase necessary. Golden State Warriors nab Game 3 of the NBA Championship at Cleveland, Cleveland to trigger that promotion the Warriors swept the Cavs in four games to win the championship. And I checked the website, and it appears that it's at every Taco Bell. Because I was wondering if it was just Cleveland. in select cities or whatever. But right. it appears that it's everywhere. Right. So They're trying to get people, they're trying to trick people into eating those Dorito tortillas. <laughs> well, and the other thing is you get one free, you're probably going to buy something else, like a drink. Or... Right. I haven't uh, been back in a long time, man. Mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a problem. In my 20s. And I, I kicked it, and I'm not going back. I loved Taco Bell. I ate it way too much. Yeah. And it just got to the point where my body wouldn't it let me eat it point. anymore. Got to the point. Summer, big for weddings. June especially, for whatever reason, seems to be the month of weddings. Uh, we TV released some wedding stats. 64% of people say the wedding planning process is stressful. Uh, the biggest source of stress the budget. Second biggest is other people like your mother or mother-in-law. 50% <laughs> say their spouse was involved. Just the right amount in the planning process. 20% say their spouse wasn't involved, but that was a good thing. 
Brides say it's three times more important for their dress to look good than for the flowers to look good. And they say getting their hair and makeup just right is way more important than the wedding vows. Whoa. Cities that have the most bridezillas, New York City, San Francisco, Detroit, Houston, and Tampa. And one out of three brides in New York gave their bridesmaids specific instructions on how tan they should be for the wedding. Oh, blow it out your wedding band. There's no way. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't take instructions from anybody. No. Like, Wait, didn't you have to cut your hair or something for a wedding? Yeah, when I was yeah, younger. You got, you got bangs. No, well, yeah, that was a different one. <laughs> there were two weddings where I was supposed to cut my hair. Wasn't it a, your brother's wedding? Or? My brother's wedding. My, my sister-in-law really wanted me to cut my hair, and my mom was like, offer it up. Just do it. Offer it up. Just do it. You know. And I was like, I'll compromise, and I'll get, a, you know, get it cut a little bit. It was really long. It was all one length. And I thought bangs meant... A haircut. I thought bangs were the thing, the, your, the front of your hair. I didn't know that was an actual. It is. Yeah, I know, but I was like, just, and I told the lady, I'm like, well, so like here on the bangs, like, I was trying to Give say, Give me a like, Lloyd Christmas. You know, layer it back or something like that. <laughs> and I would feather love it. to see, yeah, with feathered hair, that would be great. Dude. You know what? Crimp it. Just crimp it. Because you have kind of wavy hair. Feather, baby. I, I used to be able to feather that stuff. Really? Oh, uh, yeah, when I was younger. Heck yeah. <laughs> My my when my mom and my dad got married, they got married in Mellon Park, and um, my dad, his brother, like his family was like super conservative, and my mom's family was a little looser, but kind of still conservative. But her brother was way out there, like total hippie. He showed up to the wedding in a crushed velvet suit with a cape and a cane. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and my uncle, oh, that's great. my dad's brother was like, you got to go home and change. <laughs> what are you wearing? Can't wear that. This ain't the circus. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Screw you, man. I'm independent. This is crushed velvet, dude. Weddings too often are about somebody else other than the actual people getting married. Yes. Totally agree. And that makes them a huge pain in the ass. And if you're a parent who puts pressure on your kid to make the wedding about you, well, shame on you. Here's oh, what the parents do. Parents. They come in and every they go, uh, well, I got to no, invite every. Marge from the pool. No, you're not inviting Marge from the pool. Well, how about Jackie from work? Jackie from work's not coming. Never. And then it's a fight. And I always said, like, I want to have I, I wanted to have auditions for the invite <laughs> to my wedding. <laughs> Sit you down and be like, look. We're uh, whittling down to the 53-man like roster. <laughs> you and Serena are sitting there with like yeah. huge oversized Coca-Cola glasses. <laughs> Clipboards. Clipboards. Uh, we love, listen, you've been a good friend. Hi. Uh, like your stats here. What are you bringing to the table? I'm afraid you're not going to St. Patrick's. Are you going to just sit there and then leave after the cake <laughs> is cut? Because you're not coming. Actually, that's pretty probably good in a lot of scenarios yeah because people don't i don't want to get invited to your wedding <laughs> so let's settle out of court I, I do remember being in my one friend's wedding where um a group of us were groomsmen and one of the guys that was groomsmen with me he was like i just want to let you know dude i consider you one of my best friends and i will never make you do this and i was like <laughs> thank you man and he's like no way in my well, 20s, it's, 
it was just nothing but weddings oh, every yeah. weekend. Now I'm in my thirties, nothing but kids parties. Yeah. Every now I'm like, yeah, I'm like, can't somebody get married? <laughs> Second weddings are a blast, dude. Second weddings are a blast. Because there's no pressure. They're like, yeah, we don't want to have a lot of pomp and circumstance. It's like, let's yeah. get drunk and have a nice mil- They're meal. They're in a pavilion yeah. in oh, North awesome. Park. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> right. And they get married, uh, you know, down by the river. Perfect. <laughs> well, of course, after the hey, wedding. We got to, we uh, yeah. I, I we got to get, D. all right. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's all right. I can save this stuff for tomorrow. It's uh, not pressing. So, uh, forecast today, showers and thunderstorms scattered. 80 for the high. It's 70 at DVE. Jerry Dulac is uh, on the line right now. And, uh, of course, Jerry, part of the Pittsburgh Steelers Radio Network broadcast here on DVE. And There's uh, a lot of pressure on this interview. A lot of pressure, lot of pressure on pressure. you right now, Jerry. I a lot Jerry. of pressure. Randall, I wanted to come into the studio where I could fully express myself, but I have to. But I have to attend mini camp because I didn't go to OTAs. I'm not worried if Dale Lolly or Craig Wolfley throw me questions. It doesn't matter to me. But I'm here. I'm all in, and I'm going to properly express myself. He was Antonio Brown's statements yesterday were were so off base and full of holes. Uh, I I actually just typical, felt typical, typical Antonio. Yeah, I just felt. Bad for him. I mean, I've been saying all morning, it's hard to get mad about this. This is just how he is. Uh, do you see anything? Do you think he even remembers it at this point? Like, how long will it take for him to forget that he was upset yesterday? Yeah, I, I'm with you, Randall. I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't feel necessarily bad for him, but I, but I get where you're coming from. And that's Antonio. He does have a hard time just expressing himself. In general, I don't mean that as a knock. It's just that a lot of times, uh, you know, he starts going off and it gets a little convoluted, as it did yesterday. And it was hard to tell if he was just kind of uh, uh, making an observation or was genuinely upset. I think there were a couple things he was upset about. It sounds as though uh, somebody is trying to muzzle him, and he's upset about that. But look, after all these years, if they haven't attempted to muzzle him before, I don't know why all of a sudden in the offseason – they're going to try and muzzle him some more. So, um, you know, I, I, but, but the problem I have with the whole thing is here is a guy who puts himself out on social media. He primps and parades out on social media. He does end zone dances. He jumps into the goalpost. He does flips into the end zone. He does Facebook live videos. And, and you know, and then he complains that he's under, this me- under pressure from media scrutiny and, and can't properly <laughs> express himself. I would call that expressing myself if if, uh, yeah. if I had to. Well, I think you know, Bill was was saying that he had some family issues with uh, his uh, his children's mothers, and uh, add that into the fact that I'm sure Le'Veon Bell was not happy with the way that he called them out at the beginning of camp, and that might have taken a little while for him to resolve. And I think he was probably upset about that as much as anything and had a hard time articulating that and just tried to walk back comments that he made by saying, I never said that, you took it out of context, when we know he said it. Yeah, I, I, I think that's plausible. I think there's a number of factors involved. Uh, but, you know, with Antonio, I mean, first of all, that's there's been a lot of things. You know, he's received a lot of criticism for his behavior, you know, uh, with some of his antics on the field. But we all know what type of player he is, so everybody overlooks it, and that and that's perfectly fine. You know, I, I've said this before, as you guys well know, from having done you know shows with him for five years. Antonio Brown is a very likable guy, and his teammates like him. Um, he's upset about something, and I'm not exactly sure what it was, 
but yeah, he he sometimes just uh, you know that's why the message yesterday was a little was a little curious and a little convoluted because he does he has a hard time wanting to articulate exactly what it is that he's saying, and then when he gets pressed on it, you know he doesn't want to go. He starts he tends to start repeating himself, and then the narrative changes just a little bit. So. Um, you know, it, it was kind of, it was different for Antonio. Here's the other thing. If a guy truly wants to express himself and get his feelings out there, then don't talk to the media one day a week on Friday afternoon when everybody's done and everybody's gone. You want to express yourself, meet with the media early in the week and get your message across if you, ha- if you feel you have something to say. I'm not criticizing him. If he doesn't want to talk to the media, that's fine. But don't come back and then blame the media or say you're under this pressure when you put yourself out on social media almost as much as any professional athlete we know. Jerry, a lot of that was Antonio Brown being Antonio Brown yesterday, right. but but I think right. there, there was a kind of distressed element to it. Uh, is that just a guy having a bad day, a bad week, a bad month? Or if you're the Steelers, do you want to maybe talk through this with him a little bit and just make sure everything's okay? Yeah, I think the latter is probably a little extreme, but I would tend to agree with you uh, on the on the uh, first part, uh, part, Mike. Uh, you know, th- this you know you don't hear much of this from Antonio Brown. Let's face it; I think it's, it's the first time I know where he is. He is actually quote vented uh, uh, about something. Um, so uh, that that is departure form. I don't think it's any serious problem or anything. Again, like you said, Mike, maybe he's having a bad day. Maybe he had a bad week. But I, I, yeah, I, 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 knowing Antonio, he'll let it go and go forward. And uh, I don't know. Maybe he feels he needs to be more of a spokesman on the team. I don't know what it is, but I don't think it's any major issue because, again, it's the first time we've seen him do that. Jerry Dulac from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. So uh, I'm, I, I'm just wondering what happens now. Is he going to shut down when you guys come back to him today? Like, AB, are you feeling better today? Yeah, no, there'll be no more. There'll be no more today. Uh, that'll be it for the week for him. Um, that's just that's just the way he has been. Um, you know, I, a lot of times I see him. I go up and talk to him, but then he doesn't want to talk. Uh, you know, for the record. So I think I think his meeting yesterday uh, with the media will will be it for the week. I would be surprised uh, unless he wants to come back and say something else. That's just not his style either. I think that's and another the last thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's the last we'll hear. I think uh, the only person available this for the rest of the week is going to be Ronald Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll try that tactic with him, Billy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Jerry, I'll, I'll ask him if he's inside there somewhere. Call hey, me Ronald. Ronald. Available for an interview? Jerry D., thanks so much, buddy. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, boys. Okay, man, we'll see you. That's Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. What would you know about pressure? DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike, what's the word? Pressure's the word, Randall. Pressure. Sports is our brought to you by BobbyRayHall.com. Antonio Brown acknowledged yesterday that he is feeling the pressure on day one of mandatory veteran minicamp on the south side. That explains, uh, Brown said, uh, the unique nature of some of his social media posting it's just reality you know a lot of things that you guys don't know about that you guys write about and make assumption about and uh you know the the, the, the clear the air about the reality things that we, i deal with you know it felt pretty good 
Perhaps that was what Brown was doing uh, approximately a week or so ago when he posted on Instagram. Bruce Arians said he's a special team guy. He can't learn the plays, hots and sights, not smart enough. Coach T, bench me on a bye week, said two dogs, one bone. God bless him. Hashtag, put some respect on my name. Bruce Arians, the uh, former Steelers offensive coordinator, and Mike Tomlin, the current Steelers head coach. Brown insisted yesterday he wasn't attacking either one of those guys. No, no, I don't resent anything. You know, it's just, it's just a form of football that, you know, I think people don't get a chance to understand. You know, I think people go write stories about me and they wonder why, why he didn't play his rookie year, why he didn't play this year, or what may be the case, what may have you, you know, but... As a player, I think you got to start expressing those things that uh, year by year that you go through to get them out your head. You know, I think the more you bottle stuff up and, you, and you're not aware of expressing yourself, that's when these players have problems. You know, but we ain't talking about the players who don't play anymore, the guys who can't remember anything because, you know, their whole career they was taught, you know, to hold stuff in. You know, uh, you know, I think we can't really express ourselves at this level. You guys make the headlines. You guys ask me about Le'Veon. Oh, what do you do for a contract? What do you think you should do? I just say, yeah, sure, it'll work out. Now you guys write the article to say AB says he want AB. I mean, Le'Veon to show up. So it's constantly pressure. You know, it's constantly under the scrutiny, scrutiny of pressure of you guys putting me under pressure. And it's like, you know, am, am I really free? You know, what am I playing this game for? To acquire records for who? You know, when I'm done playing, no one gonna remember who, uh, what my stats was in 2016 or what my stat was in 2015. So, you know, those are the things I got to clear my mind for getting away from the game because, you know, a lot of uh, issues this game present that you guys ain't really covering and no one not saying anything about. You know, I'm just left to deal with the madness from my house or what you guys make up and create. And it's like no one even cares. He dropped more pressures in that sports clip than my minister before the passing of the peace. Imagine standing with the microphone or a recording device in your hand and extending your arm. And listening to that, welcome to my world. I honestly just don't. The pressure. He's not knowingly saying this stuff. He doesn't understand. He's not capable. It's tough to get upset about it. It's it. It should be on the pay no mind list. You know, it's just AB's letting off some steam. It was. He He can't articulate himself the way he wants to. It was interesting hearing him talk about the Arians Tomlin tweet and, you know, getting stuff off your chest in that kind of vein. Uh, You don't want to be bottled up. Uh, He's about seven, eight years behind with that one, so I I may have to start following this guy on Instagram as he, if he's going to continue to catch up, so to speak, with all that's happened between the Bruce Arians offensive coordinator days and the two two dogs, one bone days, because a lot's happened since then. I, mean, I think I think he revisits this every year, Mike, in the off season, and it's usually right around the beginning of the year or the draft. And I didn't think it was cathartic as much as it was just self motivation. Like they said, I couldn't do this. They said I couldn't do that. Year nine, grab that. Here I am, best receiver in the world. Whatever. Just all the people. All these athletes carry a chip on their shoulder. From the quarterback all the way down. These got nobody told them, or somebody told them they couldn't do it at some point, and they're carrying that. Heinz Ward. <laughs> nobody gave us a chance. Yeah, it works that way a lot in a lot of cases. Uh, I still may have to start following Antonio on Instagram. Antonio Brown, on the other hand, is going to have to continue dealing with pressure generated by 
the relentless media. You guys put pressure on me every day. You guys write about me every day. You guys, you know, it's always pressure. You know, I can't, I can't seem to get away from the pressure. Pirates but, lost to the Diamondbacks last night, thirteen to eight. It was their eighteenth loss in their last twenty-four games. Clint Hurdle said afterward, "Quote: We are not playing at the level we are capable of playing." Sweet Jesus, I hope that's the case. Because if this is the best they can do, it's going to be a long rest right. of the summer. One more in Arizona this afternoon. Jamison Tyone against Zach Granke. Then the Pirates are off. They come home to host the Reds this weekend. And the Caps held their championship parade yesterday in D.C., according to the Associated Press. Hundreds of thousands of fans lined Constitution Avenue. Uh, the uh, Crowds look nuts. Biggest crowd ever. All-time record for a celebration. More people than there are actual people. People were created to go to that celebration. The uh, featured car was the one that contained uh, Conn Smythe Trophy winner Alex Ovechkin, alternate captains Nicholas Backstrom and Brooks Orpik, owner Ted Leonsis, and team president Dick Patrick. Uh, I should say that was uh, the most prominent bus. Uh, displaying the new champs uh, to their adoring faithful, some of whom I'm guessing have been following the Caps for weeks. <laughs> a lot of bandwagoners. In this, their 43rd season of competition in the National Hockey League. T.J. Oshie led the fans in a back-to-back chant. They think they're going to do it again. Yeah, they might. Did you see him chugging it through his jersey? I did. What was the point of that? I don't know. I think he's just he's trying to start a new fad out of his mind. Is that an Indian thing or? A... See Indian? Yeah. I don't I know. know. I didn't know that. They drink through buffalo skin or something. I don't know. <laughs> I hadn't seen that before. Neither have I. I don't think he ever did it before. I just just came to him. Yeah. Seemed to be a spur of the moment dumb thing to do. <laughs> He was just the guy to do it. He's like, I drank this every other way except for this. Yeah. I mean, look, it's better than eating horse poop. I wonder what this tastes like through sweaty jersey. Uh, it's going to be a lot of pressure on them next year. Mark Madden's coming in uh, momentarily. <laughs> what a fun day this turned out to be. Did it? It did. Did it really? <laughs> yeah. You say so. I, I, feel, I actually feel bad for AB. So do I. <laughs> I know people are going to attack can't, him. He can't help himself. They think he's a, yeah. This guy, you know, you were pointing out earlier too, Bill. This guy came from abject poverty, nothing. Right. Wondering what's going to be for dinner. Yeah, he's Sco- homeless. I mean, schooling is not even wasn't a part of his upbringing. You know, academics. Couch surfing. Yeah. And you know, dealing with the the media is a is a. I think it's a skill that a lot of these players don't feel like they ever have to develop. And it's just such a part of the game now. Look, man, he's emotionally a mess. He always has been. He never makes any sense. He was saying he's things that so are good. everybody knows aren't true. It's tough for me to get mad at him. What I'm saying is Lev Bell seems to be calculating and A.B. is just emotive. Bottom line's the bottom line, though. Which is... You know, he he gets to where he goes, whether uh, he's responsible or not. I mean, and I think you're ultimately accountable no matter how right. you got there. I think there is a ton of pressure on him. I think he's right, but I also think being a superstar in the league, like that's your burden to bear. Yeah. I don't know. I just I think more and more 
the the Steelers are becoming a team where I'm, I'm guessing uh, a certain portion of their fan base wishes they could just fast forward from the end of the last playoff game to the start of training camp and not have to deal with the in-between. I could be wrong. No, no, the offseason is the devil's playground. <laughs> Fashion Magazine has uh, done an article on Pittsburgh and why you should visit Pittsburgh. A Fashion Magazine? No. Or fa- I've never heard of Fashion Magazine. Fashion I'm not very Magazine.com. Well, you do live in Pittsburgh, though. So. <laughs> Fashion. Why? I think it will be that way no matter where I live. <laughs> uh, you know, they're bringing overalls back. Mm, I can't, we kind of never stopped. And then the title, like, it's not just Heinz ketchup and French fries on sandwich. Oh, how many times? Also, I jean it? shorts. I love permanent spot <laughs> Crick shoes. As much as anybody, but it's more than that. On Reddit and BuzzFeed, those lists will emerge. They'll give 19 reasons to visit Pittsburgh. Each includes our pension for making foods merge. But we're more than just fries on a sandwich. The amazement that steel mills no longer pollute is one observation that ain't quite astute. But there's one misconception I'd like to refute We're more than just fries on a sandwich There's more than just bridges, more than our accent More than just parking chairs, more than cheap rent More than the Steelers, the Pirates, and Pants We're more than just fries on a sandwich Though all of those things are inexorably true We're a complex city that can't be reduced To an internet list designed to get page views We're more than just fries on a sandwich There's more than just fireworks and rivers that beat More than pierogies that run at top speed It's the people, not Clark Bars, that make this town sweet. We're more than just fries on a sandwich. We're more than just fries on a sandwich. We're more than just fries on a sandwich. It is the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman. And joining me and uh, Bill and Val and Mike in the studio is the host of an afternoon show on radio station 105.9 DX, WXDX in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. His name is Mark Madden, and we're glad to have him on the program. It's the radio show on the X, Randall. I'm the founder of the feast. It's an A uh, radio show. It's, no, no, it's it's the it, 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 it is the straw that stirs that particular drink. ADAA radio show on uh, the X. From 3 till 6. Yes, that's the one. That radio show. Uh, Mark, let me ask you something. You grew up in Pittsburgh. Yes. And you watched uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood as a lad. I did not, really. And what kind of profound effect did it have on you? I didn't watch it. Growing up. Uh, because I see a lot of what Mr. Rogers did in your day-to-day work. <laughs> okay, that's just nonsense. And if that's true, it's coincidence because I didn't watch it. You seem to almost rip off a lot of the things that Mr. Rogers stood for. Have you ever been contacted what, what by... What did he stand for? This is coincidence, obviously. Uh, I can't he... even find a cardigan that fits me. He... <laughs> <laughs> 
if trashing I find- the, the callers for his show, I think that was something that he did. Did he? Well, good. Good for him, because they were idiots just like mine, I'm sure. No, no. Do not besmirch the good name he took of calls? Mr. Rogers. No, he no. didn't take calls. No, just said he took calls. He talked to little kids. They were. He talked to puppets. Oh, they're the worst of all, believe me. Do you think if you would have watched his show that you'd be a little nicer? No. Do you think that your show I watched reruns of Sea Hunt. That was what I watched Lloyd in the morning Bridges. before school. Lloyd Bridges. I watched reruns of Sea Hunt. Do you uh, think you should have uh, should employ puppets in your day to day programming? That doesn't translate to radio so good. It does. Well, he had <laughs> King can Friday. You have Mister Friday Afternoon. Yeah. To paraphrase, Mike, to paraphrase Michael O'Donoghue, I don't work with felt. <laughs> that was, of course, when Saturday Night Live tried to employ the Muppets. Yeah, and they wanted Donnie to write for them. Yes, I don't write for felt. And he was never going to do that. <laughs> uh, what's the last good meal you had? Uh. I had prime rib at the Silver Whoa. Shores restaurant. Where's Silver Shores? Oh, restaurant? at Conneaut Lake. Lake. Yeah, you had oh. spoken glowing. I love terms, Lake. and I it made me want to go there. You should. It's lovely. I went for uh, Friday and Saturday night. What were the sides? Uh, vegetables and French fries. Did oh French fries? French fries are, is good. The prime. Did you ever get like a bread pudding thing to sop it up with the prime rib? Oh uh, no, it's a good idea though. It's really good. I highly recommend that. I get horseradish sauce too. Also a uh, necessity. Yes. What, what, did you have a beverage? Yeah, uh, cold course light. Oh yeah. Do you like the draft or you go for the bottle? The bottle. Why? Why, why are we going in this direction? Now, right? how about? I mean, it, it's amusing, but I don't. That's you know. all, Mister Rogers. Drank. <laughs> Is that what he ate? Was was prime rib and course light? Yeah. <laughs> I could just see that. And the minute he came off the yeah. set, prime rib and course light. That's it. He was a trained assassin, as you know, for the CIA. <laughs> I love those stories. Yeah, the Mister Rogers stories. They, They're tremendous. They Do they bring about, that up in the? Oh yeah. In the... Yeah, they talk about that, and they talk about uh, the rumors about like his sexuality and stuff. And there was a gay guy on the show on on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the cop, uh, I can't remember, Francois, I think is his name, or something like that, and he he was gay, and he's like... I don't remember the gay cop. Well, he wasn't gay on Mr. Rogers' show. He wasn't a gay cop on the show. Like, in real life... Oh, it wasn't a character. Yeah, he's a gay fella. Did he later join the village people? No, and he said... He's like, I spent a lot of time around around Mr. Rogers. Believe me, I would know if he's gay. He is not gay. He Uh, liked the chicks... I, th- I was surprised they even went there in the documentary, to be honest with you. All right, who do they need to do a documentary about here in Pittsburgh? <laughs> Antonio Brown. Uh, it's, it's a work in progress. Now, are you going to spend a lot of time talking about that today? Because isn't it just spinning your wheels? I, isn't I, it pointless? I did yesterday, and yes, it is pointless. Yes, it is spinning my wheels. But what else do I it's, have right it's now? It's June. It's the middle right, of June. Exactly. And, the Pirates stink again. Yeah, they've just lost their eighth series in a row. Yeah, that's, that's not going to get them where they want to be. But the but the AB stuff, like like here's the thing about him: if he doesn't want all the attention, just don't talk to the media, sure, and don't go on social media, and don't you know if you want to spend more time with your kids, move them up from Florida and have them live in Pittsburgh, like like normal families do. They cohabitate. Uh, he's complaining about a lot of stuff that he holds the solution to, if indeed they are problems at all in the first place. Um, the Phil Kessel, Mike Sullivan relationship has apparently deteriorated. I mean, Scuttlebutt out there has been like, Phil wants out. Uh, not only do they want to get rid of him, but Phil wants out. And then, the other day, Jim Rutherford comes out and goes, no, 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 that's all. That's what Jim's going to say, though. Yeah. Jim's not going to say we're actively trying to trade him, which, which I believe they... It's I- the worst kept secret in town. I mean, Phil's apparently... Phil wants to play with Malkin. Sullivan wants to put him on a third line, which, and, and like, 
Sullivan's a great coach. He's wrong in this instance. They don't have the depth to artificially manipulate three lines worth of attacking force. It worked back in 2016 because Benino just had like the three-month mm-hmm. run of his life. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a fluke. No offense to Bones, but he went to Nashville, signed a big-money deal to be their second-line center. Within two months, guess what? He was their third-line center because that's what he is. But, uh, but the you know, Jim talked about the relationship between Phil and Mike getting better. If Mike doesn't put Phil with Gino, it won't get better, period. Why did they go out and get Broussard then? Like, that's the point that I... That to, part to, that I to, to create that balance. But then Mike put Sheehan ahead of Broussard on the depth chart, which I didn't understand either. Do you think that Stephen A. Smith should be fired for the racy comments he made on the Snoop Dogg show? What do you mean, racy? He went on uh, Snoop Dogg's... You mean, like, sexy? Yeah. Marijuana-focused streaming super, network. Super sexy. And uh, they started talking about um, the female anatomy... Okay. And Steve I didn't know this. This is great for my show today, three till six. Steven Smith said, I know I'm associated with Walt Disney, but ev- I don't even know if I can say this, Val. When in well, doubt, you probably shouldn't then. Leave yeah. it out. No, no, no. Go. Go can for you, it. Can I would you, I would surround yeah. it. I mean, yeah. my show has guts. I mean, if you don't want to go for it, well, I get it. Let's show it to you. You know me, Mr. Vegas. I'd bet it all. <laughs> right here, Val. What do you think about that? Those two words. Dun, dun, Wait, I'm gonna dun, walk dun, around dun, now. Dun, dun, dun. Come on, now you gotta say it. Say it and then dump yourself. (laughs) Mark is running. That's the quickest I've seen your move coupled together before. I think think you could say, does that mean what I think it means? He's like a catfish. He's a bottom feeder? Now, Um, what does that mean exactly, though? Does it mean what it sounds like? I guess. Wait a second. I think he's doing Can I use the technical term for that? Maybe that's not what wrong. <laughs> well, he hit the wrong button. What are you I doing? Tried, I tried to bleep myself, and I hit the wrong button. <laughs> you, you, you didn't bleep? dial 911, did you? What did you bleep? Uh, I just wanted to be sure. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> Stephen A. Smith, first off, invokes Walt I, I, Disney. Bad idea. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah I would have left his name out. out of it. Although and, I, I heard the same thing about Walt. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Uh, but you think he'll catch any flack for this? No. It wasn't on ESPN. Apparently, if nobody can say it, he's gonna he's gonna skate. <laughs> no, no, he. I don't think anybody will, will. I don't think he'll catch any heat at all for it. You I don't, don't even. Think, um, I think it's kind of funny. You don't think he'll get a licking for that? <laughs> but he'll keep on ticking. <laughs> he's a. Uh, I mean, he what looks a, fit, and apparently, he eats a lot of salads. Uh, think beavers and <laughs> butthead. But he prefers yeah. them. Prepared in a certain way. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I thought that's what it meant. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I, you know, I now if Mike Greenberg had said it, there might be a different uh, story. But, but I don't think Stephen A. Smith's going to get any. Why do you hate Mike Greenberg? Well, so back, much? I like Mike Greenberg. He's excellent. That show's horrible. <laughs> I'm a big Mike Greenberg fan. Don't you think all ESPN should ever do is just show highlights nonstop? Highlights the scores. Highlights the scores. Put it, put it, put it this way. And every, I, I think that's what like eighty percent of their programming should be. Yeah. I think that's why people turned it on in the first place. It was not. Yeah, because you want to get caught up. That's what Isn't it that was what it was in the all, beginning? All well, day not to be fair, Twitter's until... taking a big chunk of that. But but the thing is is that they, they, they aren't good at other programming. Except for, you know, behind the lines is good, outside the lines rather with Bob Lee. Stephen A. Smith's uh, bottom feeding at home is not a bad show. No. 
you know, but, but they just, the stuff they do, like the featurey stuff, just isn't good. And their talent level has gone way downhill. Well, I, would, uh, I wouldn't say the featurey stuff they do is not good. I mean, they have done features on athletes that have been complete tearjerkers before Monday Night Football. They've done a lot of great work. I, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily real sports. Done a lot of bad work, though. They put the personality in front of the sports well, you, you know, You know where they're really bad now, ESPN? And I hate to criticize other media because I probably stink, I think too. they could come around very easy. I think that they have just overcomplicated things. Well. I think it's really easy. The, the, mor- the morning show, like with Greenberg, Jalen Rose, and Michelle Beadle. I understand following the formula, and it is the formula now, of the, of the, of the, of the white guy, the black guy, and the woman. Okay, every show's going to have that. And I agree with that. A beer commercial. I agree with that. constructed ours. And I have no problem with it, Okay. <laughs> Just get a different woman, a different black guy. I mean, those two are terrible. They're they're not terrible. They're totally unlikable. Yeah, I don't know. I don't Michelle Beadle ke- keeps falling. Yeah, it's on up. during your show. She, she in fact, it inspires me to listen to your show because I turned it on thirty seconds later. I'm like, I wonder what Randy and those guys are doing. Right. This is so bad. DVE has to be better than this. That's what, what you're thinking. And yes. then, yeah. yes, and then when well he put. turns that back no, no on, offense. it couldn't be worse than this. <laughs> Much to your surprise. <laughs> to be fair, it hasn't been yet. Well, <laughs> yet. <laughs> yet. That's because you have the right woman and black guy. That's... That is true. <laughs> Thank so, you. <laughs> the key to, to radio success. Um, all right. We have Richie Sambora on the show tomorrow. Anything Are you I, serious? Yeah, anything I need to ask him? <laughs> no, I'm a, big, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of his. He's a great guitar player. I agree. I, I can't believe that's still not back together. Well, they hate I him. I think they hate each other. They hate him. I mean, did you watch the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I induction? Did. What was it like? It, it looked like they it was very frosty. But why do they hate each other? Well, maybe they don't, don't share the same likes, you know? Because Richie wants to be a rock star and John Bon Jovi wants to own be a the rich Eagles. Guy. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, isn't there middle ground there? At least there no. should be. Really? No. Owning the Harrisburg Senators? <laughs> well, I, I see I think that's a great band. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not a band I would travel to see, but I have seen them. I mean, I they write great songs. Well, bon, bon, the thing is, Bon Jovi doesn't they write need, hits. Bon Jovi doesn't need Sambora, obviously. The band's yeah, they, his name. Yeah, they proved that quickly. Yeah, they're right. So, <laughs> so, and I, what's Sambora done since then? Not very much. So, yeah, yeah, that's the problem, man. You gotta, you can't bite the hand that feeds you. This is the Don Felder syndrome. That's right. It's exactly the same thing. Although I got to tell you, I'm. I've come to realize my the bands I love are dying quicker than me. Not literally dying, but a lot of them are just ready to go out of business. Mark, how are you just realizing it? It's amazing they're alive as long as they have. Yeah, been. but when you when you get to the point where it's just about actually done, that that like I've everybody's been, on a farewell. Like tour. with White Snake, I've been hearing Copperdale, you know, through Rab Beach say uh, this will be the last one, rebellious old boy, and now it might be true. You know, I, I've heard that for years, but now it might be true. Uh, UFO, their singer announced they're done as of next year. I think Kiss is doing it the right way, though. They're doing a three-year farewell tour, and well, I don't believe for one second and, they're done after this. And so no, Kiss. they're going to do the Grateful Dead thing, where they're going to just, if one of them kicks off, they're going to put someone else in the makeup. The music will always go on. The show will always go on. Kiss will be an enterprise that continues forward. Do you think there will ever be a Kiss without Gene and Paul? Yes. Do you really? Yeah. You think it'll succeed? Not like this, but the Grateful Dead will be the same way too, and it will succeed. They are they have built the family, and they've endorsed it. These People are the carriers the of the flame. These are the torchbearers. Right, John Mayer and so forth. John Mayer and Jeff Chimeni and Otiel Burbridge, and then as soon as the percussion, Otiel Burbridge is no young guy either. Ah, he's maybe fifty. Is but, that right? Yeah, 
but like they're they're going to continue on that legacy forever. They've already got the blessing from the band, and the fans love knowing that music's going to be there forever. Kiss fans will be exactly the same. Oh, I have way. no problem with that. Do you? No, I actually think it's kind of a good it's idea. Like, you know who the par- the pioneers were for that? Foreigner. Oh. I've seen Foreigner without anybody from Foreigner, and it's still pretty good. They're all Foreigner. Kelly Hansen sounds just like Lou Graham, uh, and like Mick. It, I love it when whenever there's a press release. Mick Jones won't be making this uh, leg of the tour because he's having health problems. Those are the shows in like Harrisburg, Huntington, and Greensburg. Right now, now Philadelphia, New York, and Chicago. Mick feels a lot better all of a sudden. <laughs> that just makes him smart, no question. Right. And he gets a, and he gets a cut just like Gene will eventually. He gets a cut when they're on the road without him, and it's wonderful. What is? Uh, let's close on this. Um, uh, There's what, Stephen A. Smith <laughs> live on TV. Just ready to feed. Ooh. Ready to feed. Oh, baby. I'm a ready to feed. Just looking. He's like Kramer. He said. <laughs> I don't think he's going to get any blowback from that at all, by the way. No. What uh-huh. was well, it on an internet show? It's impossible. It, it, well, it, I guess no. not. If, if you if, do yeah, it wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean that at all. <laughs> don't try digging a trench for me, Bobbin. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.